lords, my ladies, and everybody else here not sitting on a cushion. Well, we have a rather curious subject this morning. To study our heritage from the past is not simply a waste of time, because most of that heritage is still with us. I think it's, it's important to live life with a knowledge of its mystery and of your own mystery. And it gives life a, a new zest, a new balance, a new harmony to do this. The human story is much more complicated and much more mysterious than we've been taught. We need to wake up as a human species. We need to become our own leaders. This is, the, in my view, the next step forward. When people find out what it is that's ticking in them, they get straightened out. We can win the fight, but we can win a little every day. And every day when we make the smallest victory, there will be a little more of happiness and a little less of pain. Every day, one step forward, even a small decision, will strengthen us for another one tomorrow. And gradually, these right decisions will bring us enlightenment and companionship in the spiritual adventure of existence. One. Welcome to Wayfinder, everybody. Adam here in studio, on the hook with my man David Whitehead. David, what's cracking, dude? How's it going, Adam? Happy to be here, man. This is awesome. I love your background, your setup. You've got the nice insulation there for the sound. I'm sure you've gone through the same trials I have as a podcaster, trying to nail all the sound, the lighting, the cameras, but uh, <laughs> whatever you've achieved there, it's working, dude. I appreciate it, man. We've spent like a year fucking with this lighting. JC's not here, or he would he would, uh, he would, just drop his head right now and just and just shake his head, because we, we, are, we spent like endless, endless hours in here fucking with no the lighting. No one knows the struggle, man. Nobody no one knows, knows the struggle. It, <laughs> the struggle's so real. It's so it real. real. We're like, we, we got this nice camera, and we're like, all right, one camera's not going to work. We need two of these. So we bought another nice camera, like $1,000 cameras. And then we're like, these things don't work well in low lighting. So we bought another camera that worked, worked better. That still didn't work. And then so we ended up settling on like a $200 uh, uh, wide-angle 4K webcam that we're super happy with and like a $30 backlight that fixed all of the problems. And um, I think maybe we'll try to Craigslist those $3,000 worth of cameras, and we'll probably get 600 bucks. Um, That's so about if, the way it works. Yeah, if you want one, I'll just probably fucking send it to you. You pay for shipping. <laughs> hey, it's on the air. Everybody, hold them to it. I'll, I'll edit that out. <laughs> You could totally have cool it. It's map. a Panasonic G8. It's a great camera, but man, you know, it just doesn't it doesn't work in low lighting. So thank you very much. Yeah, we're stoked about the studio. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cool cool little backdrop. We're digging it. Well, I'm happy I'm happy to be on here, man. And I we, you and I got to chat a little off air, and we have uh, very similar paths, and uh, just love seeing good people that love podcasting and love talking about these subjects, doing good quality production. That's something that I think we've been missing in this field, and now we've got the technology to do it. So uh, that's all I've been trying to do with my projects, and it's just good to see uh, that we've got other people out there doing the same thing. Dude, I love it. I love it. I love your your show, your content, all the work that you do. Um, you. And so just to kind of kick this off, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what is the whole platform behind David Whitehead? What are you doing? What are you up to? What's coming down the pipe for you? Uh, do you have any clue? I don't even know, man. I, when people ask me for the elevator pitch, they're like, so could you just explain to me what I you hate are? when people like, ask me that. Who are you fucking... and what are you? What do you do? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm just a guy that just does a lot of different things that I'm interested in. And 
I mean, a little backstory, I guess, would be that um, nothing about me is conventional or normal in a way because uh, I was, I had a very interesting upbringing. Um, I didn't go through the traditional school system, and I was always, I, I always was on that path of trying to learn on my own. I always had a deep desire to learn. I loved the idea of school and of being educated and of having teachers. And I always had big questions. I was always the kid that had 20 questions, and so. But everywhere I went, they were always trying to give me like, okay, this is the one explanation for your question. And then I would go to another source and they would say, no, no, this is the one explanation for your question. And then you just keep going through it. And when you're, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, you keep scratching your head and going, everybody is super confident about their explanation for the world and the way everything is and what I should know and what I should be doing and what I should be thinking. And yet it all contradicts itself. Yeah. And so I just realized, I guess, at a young age that – I'm gonna have to do it on my own, and uh, I, I found the works of people like Bruce Lee, and um, man, uh, so many people, so many people. They'll come, they'll come up as we talk, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And as I read those kind of people who were there trying to say, this is, you know, life is about your individual growth and process of expressing yourself and learning about yourself, and the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about others and the world. And so I said, okay, let's just start there. And so I, I've always been very grateful for the people that inspired me to stay on this path of taking the path of more of a maverick in a way of, um, of just, and by that, I just mean someone that looks at things differently. Cause I think in this world we're, we get stuck in a cycle of just believing the official story of everything and not to say that that's always wrong or that you can't get good things from that. It's just that I feel like the tunnel vision is a problem cause it's been a problem for me. And so I kind of went, that was my background coming through. And, and the reason why I started studying so many different types of material was I just got, I was curious. And I guess maybe I look at it like I didn't go through the traditional education system. So I didn't get that curiosity slapped out of me Yeah, yeah. and I kept it. And then I had good people along the way that kept inspiring me and motivating me. And then eventually, you know, I got to the point where I was able to work for myself, uh, running a martial arts business. That's a big part arts. of what you do. Yeah. It's so, a big part. I think it's martial arts part. is a key thing. And, and when you find somebody like yourself who's who's a thinker and a martial artist, I mean, that's a dangerous combination, right? It's like Bruce Lee. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize like that guy was like a sick philosopher. He was. He was. Taken before his time. But he left some really, really good bits of wisdom. And uh, there's many others as well that I could reference. But the, this was what I grew up with as well. So simultaneous to researching things like comparative religion, history, mythology, politics, conspiracy, whatever else I could find. I was also researching martial arts and learning about the warrior ethos and how to structure my life so that I was, you know, had a good combination of what I feel to be humility and confidence, you know, right in that yeah. sweet spot. That was my goal. And that is what empowered me to eventually start doing the work that I do now. And it all kind of started, it just started just like you, man. Like I started, I'd read these books and I had so many questions for some of the authors of these books. So then I would, when, when you know, the internet was there and Skype was a little bit more easy to use, I would just contact these people and say, hey, would you have a conversation with me on Skype? And many of them would say yes, because there wasn't a huge right. push. Like now I can't even get anybody on the show. Everybody's booked. <laughs> but, um, you know, but in the beginning, it was super easy to get people. And so I would get them on and I would just, I would originally just do recorded Skype calls and I wouldn't post them anywhere. It was just yeah, yeah. for my own notes, right? And then I then, you know, YouTube became a better platform and other platforms became available. So I started releasing those. Then I started doing kind of video logs where I was just sort of ranting and raving about whatever I was thinking about that day. 
And then it just kind of took off. And then I got into radio and I was on iHeartRadio for a while, American Freedom Radio, Truth Frequency Radio, a bunch of these online radio stations that became popular. And then, um, you know, it, it worked my way through. And then I, I kept the more you start going into networks and working with other networks, the more people start coming up to you and going, hey, we love when you talk about this stuff, but maybe we could not talk about this stuff, right. you know, and I don't like that. I'm on a path of knowledge. Truth is all that matters. You know what I mean? So um, I, I just said, you know what, I'm going to have to go solo. So I, go, I went back to going solo, uh, came across the work of Michael Tessarian, met him back in 2008, uh, started doing events with him online. He was passing me a tremendous amount of sources as well. That, that's what I love about working with him is it's not just I'm just being brainwashed by Michael Tessarian and getting his opinion. When I work with him, he's the only person or one of the only people where he's always like, no, no, don't listen to me. Here's the sources. And then here's 75 books to go read, to go learn about the subject. Let me, di let me dive like. in real quick on, on, on Michael, because uh, sure. for anyone who doesn't know, Michael to me is one of the most underrated and prolific researchers on the planet. Um, Agreed. A guy who has uh, he's got got a great following. He's got a, a lot of a lot of books and lectures and stuff that he's done. A great, huge, tremendous, deep and wide body of work. Michael Tessarian, T S A R I O N. Um, but still, even in the truth seeker community, when I go out and talk to people, a lot of people haven't heard of Michael. And so that's, that's you and Michael have been building this. Uh, this you, you guys have a great relationship, um, and you uh, he's a he's a, a frequent guest on on your podcast, right? Is that he's sort of well, a he, sitting? How, how what is, is that? Yeah. So how it works, and yeah, it's definitely right. So I have two podcasts. I have my own podcast, which is just my thoughts. It's called Way of the Truth Warrior, um, and then I do a par I've partnered with Michael to do produce the Unslaved podcast. Gotcha. So Unslaved was his term. Uh, he kind of made this term up. I don't know. It was just a term he put together from a, it was a metal band he used to he really liked. And um, then he found, he got the URL unslave.com back like way before I think anybody else would have scooped it up and didn't really. He just had it as a site where he was posting material on this concept. Right. Because he separates all of his websites based on the subject. And I was working with him just doing interviews on Truth Warrior. I'd bring him on Truth Warrior and we would do it and they would go viral and people were really loving it. But um, I just felt like, you know, I needed to get him. I wanted to get him set up so that we could do a proper production, get him a better webcam, get him a better mic, you know, get him set up with a good Internet connection and 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 work on a way that we could do this on a regular basis. Because he told me, he said, I've got tons of these great works on the shelf that are just collecting dust that I haven't even been able to scratch the surface on that nobody knows about. Nobody's yeah. talking about because he's a collector. He's, he's got a genius level IQ. He's got a he's a very, very unique person. And the way he's able to be so uh, educated on so many different subjects was something that always blew me away. So I said, OK, if I could produce a podcast where I could sort of help, you know, be the production side and the back end and all that, but also in the conversations to try to help the average person that's never heard about right. these subjects understand what this mega mind is talking about. Be a what bridge. This guy's talking about. Exactly. Right. So I've always tried that. And you'll actually see me evolving as I think just in the way that I think and, and everything, as I'm doing this show with Michael, we've done this now for three or four years. It's gone by so quick. And I did stuff with him prior to Unslave. We did lots of stuff. Uh, I did live events with him. I went down to see him in Ireland. Uh, we did all kinds of good stuff. And so now on Unslave.com, we produce, it's a paid content show. Um, we keep it exclusive. And Michael's one of those guys. He's like, I want serious people. 
Um, we want to make this the best that we can. So we need it to be something that's funded and uh, by the people that love it. So it's sort of an exclusive podcast. And then the free show is really my Truth Warrior Productions where I kind of bring on people that I want to talk to. And then once in a while, I'll bring Michael on that show as well. And we'll just have sort of an off the cuff chat about different things. But yeah, so that's that's what I sort of do. I do. I teach martial arts. I run my own martial arts academy where I live. Um, I do a little bit in the health and wellness field. And then I do podcasting and alternative research. So I've uh, spent my life trying to create the life that I wanted to lead and to be able to support myself and my family doing what I feel I'm here to do. That's amazing, man. That's uh, it's such an inspiring situation and an inspiring story. You know, it's a uh, crazy similar to my own right and uh, I think to a lot of people who are trying to do what we're doing and so it's uh it's awesome to see you doing that now yeah Michael is uh Michael's a tremendous dude you know I, I've got a weird relationship with Michael um and it's of course it's all in my head because he doesn't know who the hell I am but <laughs> <laughs> as as a researcher man like he is such a prolific guy he's so well read he's you know for anybody in the community that's looking to anyone who wants to know about the occult uh, the esoteric about, like you said, comparative religions and mythology, um, uh, human origins, ancient history, ancient civilizations, Atlantis, um, magic. Um, I mean, God, just anything. This this guy is like off the charts, well read, um, and just understands a crazy amount of stuff. Um, he's intense, man. He's <laughs> he's an intense character, at least to someone who doesn't know him. You know, he comes across as being like, listen, you motherfuckers, this is how it is. <laughs> it's fucking how it is. You may not like it, but this is what it is. It is. Yeah. God damn it. No, he is. He is a and I love you know what? To, for me, I personally, it's what I love about him the most. Yeah. I love his directness. I love that he sort of amplifies that part of himself that is uh, taking no prisoners, no bullshit. He's yeah. always said it, you know, zero tolerance for the lie. And uh, some people, and I think in a way, because Michael, he's one of those guys, like he's the sweetest guy, you know, when we're working together and everything, he's just, he's amazing. He's great to work with. He's very professional. He's, he, he and I have been working together for a long time. So I can say nothing but good things about his character and integrity. Um, and when it comes to his research, he's often talked about this idea of zero tolerance for the lie. And he comes from that Irish background, man. There, there's something there where, they bring the they bring it out with a flaming sword, and um, I think what it is is he started he grew up with a lot of people like people in his family were in the New Age movement, and we've done whole shows where he's mm. talked about this. Yeah, he's um, really he really is not a fan of the New Age thing. No, right? no, not yeah, at yeah. all. Like because he believes that that co opted good knowledge from the ancient time, like the I ancient Hermetic that. schools and all of that, and the mystery schools. The New Age movement co-opted it and turned it into sound bites and then started brainwashing people and turning it into more of a cult instead of an experience with knowledge itself and mm. an experience with, you know, nature and, and with your own nature. Um, so he when he's speaking, he's trying to shake people out of this. Just tell me everything I need to know. Like people, it's almost to the right. point where you don't have to brainwash people and do the the little uh, uh, hold the watch back and forth anymore. People come up to you wanting you to do that to right. them. That's where people are That's at. Crazy. A lot, I see people sometimes there'll right? be like an Instagram post and somebody will just make some random fucking statement about it's it's, it's a it's a fact it's a fact claim, right? But it could be could be complete bullshit, and you'll just see like 500 comments and people will be like, oh my god, I didn't know this. Oh my god, are you serious? Oh my god. You know, so-and-so is a paid FBI agent, you know, and it's like, it took one post and you're just, that just 
that's where you're Jesus. at. Yeah. It's, it's, all of a sudden it becomes fact for, for, for hundreds of people or thousands of people. It's crazy. And Michael well, definitely does shake that up for sure. He's a, he's very, yeah. very much about doing your own research. He is. He, and that, and that to me is the final thing. Like if anybody wants to say, Oh, well, you know, I don't like his style or whatever. Well, everybody likes different styles. If you want someone to whisper sweet nothings in your ear, go listen to Deepak Chopra or somebody like that. If you're a scientific brain and you believe that this is just a big accident and, uh, you know, you really like the scientific left brain stuff, go listen to Sam Harris and all those guys, yeah, you know, yeah. but if you want somebody that's going to help you penetrate into the mystery of being, of what it is to be a human being, somebody that is active in the process of uh, co-creating your reality and, and connecting to nature and your external nature, your internal nature, uh, piercing the veil of the ancient mysteries, um, you know, looking into past civilizations, thinking about things philosophically, activating the right brain. I could keep going on. Yeah, yeah. Then, unfortunately, that process is not the ponies and rainbows process that everybody signs up for. It's not the weekend uh, yoga retreat that everybody wishes it would be. When you're talking about living on this planet and understanding the nature of evil, that evil does exist in the world, that it's a potential for every human being, um, you can't, you have to take the rose-colored glasses off. So when you hear a teacher like Michael, I guess I resonate with him because I come from the martial arts schools, where the martial arts schools are the schools of the hard knocks. There's right. no, there's no sugar coating. You can't lie to yourself. You either can do it or you can't. Either what you're doing is true or it's not true. Mm -hmm. There's no gray areas there. So, um, so when when Michael's talking about this, he's also trying to do justice to those who he would say he's like. We stand on the shoulders of giants, those who have come before. We have to do justice to them. And so much injustice has been done to these types of people. Like think of the Nikola Tesla guys, uh, Walter Russell, um, you know, and so just an yeah. endless stream of people that, uh, he, you know, so he comes at it and he's often spoken because he comes from an astrological uh, school, you know, the, the divination arts. And he would say there are these archetypes. And one of his favorite archetypes, the one he talks about the most, is the is the archetype of Pluto. And the reason is, is because the archetype of Pluto in this in this uh, ethos is like, it's the cleanser, it's the it's the truth, it's the one that comes in to clean up the mess. And he often said when he first started his work that we now live in the age where there is this sort of Pluto conjunction. So in a way, I kind of look at Michael as an archetype, a, a sort of Pluto archetype, where he's coming in not to hold your hand and give you that sweet little hey. he he's there to kind of go hey wake up wake up wake up yeah there's a storm coming you need to prepare and there's nothing to fear but you do have to be aware of what's going on around you and we need to go and reassess everything because right now civilization itself is at stake our culture is at stake our freedoms are at stake so this is not a time to pansy ran about and just you know hide under the covers and distract yourself with all of the stuff that we are shown given in our society today it's time to shake it up so and then he brings that irish flame with him which i personally just love and he that directness and that no bullshit attitude so for the for people that aren't i feel like he's like the final boss in the video game if you're going through all the coaches <laughs> the personal life coaches he's like the final boss that you have to like in order to graduate you have to make it through to Sarian. <laughs> I love it. The final boss the final yeah. boss man and uh no bullshit that guy well you know, he definitely covers a lot of important stuff. And like you say, I think that um, so many people are unaware of just how nasty and messy and mucky spiritual work really needs to be for it to be real spiritual work. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and how really um, 
in saying that, I'm saying that to be human can be nasty and mucky and messy and yucky and all of those things because you can't really have, um, you know, you can't really be a, be a full, complete, whole human without being uh, a physical being and a spiritual being. And I know people who try to do it, right, super materialistic people, um, they're still living a spiritual life whether they realize it or not, but it's just a, a vacuous one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just not there. And illness and all kinds of stuff uh, come out of that. But um, so I want to get into a lot of the neat stuff. And I think that this is going to be the probably end up being the beginning of a tremendous series of conversations that you and I have together because I think we just have way too much common ground. It's just one one conversation sure. is not going to fucking do it. But um, but before we get into the really fun stuff that you and I have talked about um, that we want to get into, we we have this big elephant in the room right now. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't, I usually don't try to get into, into current events too much. I don't try to get into the media frenzy. I don't try to get into all that stuff, but what, one of the things, one of the many things that I've woken up to because of the, the zeitgeist, the things that we're in right now, this, this climate that we're immersed in of fear culture and, and, uh, media mania and all this stuff. What I realized is, is that like, I personally, I have to plug back in. Right. I, I, I can't unplug, you know, I, I, um, three years ago I canceled my TV subscription. And so I haven't had CNN or Fox news or anything since, uh, Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. And, um, this has made me realize that, you know, we, we, I've got to plug back in. We, we have to kind of be plugged in. It doesn't mean you have to be a slave to that, to that media, um, that streaming fear machine that's generated there or that you have to live we were watching the matrix last night um at at my house and we were talking about how in the matrix neo you know they get pulled out of the matrix but then they they go plug back in to go help people you know and that was something that maybe i i didn't really appreciate that piece of the allegory up until last night with all of the things going on is that you know you have to plug back into the matrix to go to do a lot of the help to, to do a lot of the work to help people and stuff like that so that all being said, I want to talk about a lot of fun stuff. Hopefully we get time for that. But in the meantime, uh, it is March 17th, 2020, and we have the coronavirus pandemic, declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization, started in China, branched out. Italy's having a rough time. We, um, we have cities all over the United States that have been locked down to one degree or another. San Francisco has uh, citizens that are being literally, from what I understand, forcibly quarantined inside of their home. Um, and uh, here in Dallas, where we are, uh, all the restaurants and bars and, and uh, nightlife and all of the non-essential retail and all that has been shut down. And I know that it's even more extensive than that in, in several other states. And that all being said, first of all, what's it what's going on up there in, in Canada? You're, you're, are you in Vancouver? Where are you? I'm in. Yeah, I'm just off. I'm in Vancouver on, the, on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. And so we're kind of slow to the punch up here. I mean, in terms of the way everybody's reacting to this, um, we're, we're slowly getting to that point where it's, you know, they're recommending, okay, nobody more, no more groups of, or you can't get in groups of people over above 50 people. Um, the certain places are shutting down. They're restricting even things like the ferry service or the, you know, flights and all these kinds of things. And then apparently we're waiting on some announcements from the federal government today. Um, so Canada, you know, it's weird. Canada has been skyrocketing towards a socialist type nightmare in terms of the way our economic policy has been governed. And we, for some reason, voted 
Justin Trudeau back in uh, recently. Uh, it was actually just Ontario that swayed the final vote in the end. But anyways, um, we got to a point politically where Canadians were starting to wake up to political corruption, to political incompetency in a way that we haven't done in a long time because Canada has been such... We've had it so good for so long here, and we got into a space of apathy where we were very non-reactive when certain signs were definitely present that people like myself and many other commentators and even some alternative news outlets here were trying to warn Canadians about and say, hey, you got to start paying attention. Uh, they're, they're making some major moves to restrict your freedom, and they're making some major moves on the economy and all these kinds of things. And then just before this big coronavirus thing hit, Canada experienced essentially being held up by a group of protesters that uh, were shutting down the railways here in Canada. That We have something called the CN Rail. That's what brings all the goods and services across the country. And these protest groups were basically blockading the railway systems. And it got to the point where they were lighting fires on the tracks, trying to derail trains, lighting train houses on fire. It started to get really, really crazy. And the economy in Canada started to, uh, it was already crap, but it started getting really, really strange because of it. What were they well, protesting? Well, it started off, yeah, so it started off, the official story of the protest was that we had a very particular First Nations tribe called the Wet'suwet'en who were protesting the installation of a gas pipeline that would have gone through their reserve area or close to it or on sacred land or whatever. And this gas pipeline, it's kind of a funny thing because the gas pipeline is supposed to basically be able to reroute natural gas to China and other places to help offset all the coal production and all the things that everybody else here was complaining about before, about, you know, we had the Extinction Rebellion thing and the climate emergency and the world is going to end in 12 years. And we had Greta Thunberg coming here and shaking her finger at us. Even though Canada, the way we produce oil and natural gas and our um, our, our natural resources, we're of the, some of the best, we're one of the best countries in the world in terms of the way we produce it, the cleanliness of it, um, the efficiency of it. We're at the peak of that, of learning how to do that even better. Yet we have China and India being some of the world's biggest polluters. And nobody's going over there and lecturing them. Nobody's nobody's doing the same thing. It seems like it's a disproportionate sort of accusational thing where the, the government's essentially starting to say, well, we have to keep restricting, or we have to keep reducing these fossil fuel emissions. In order to do that, we have to reframe our entire economy to fit more of a socialist structure. And we have to basically bring the income levels down and raise the taxes up so that we can equalize everything and start restricting certain uh, markets and uh, oil production and all of that. There's a big war with Alberta and the federal government here in Canada because Alberta produces all the oil and they basically pay the all the bills, most of the bills for this country, mm. and they're getting the, the the crap end of the stick from the government, the cold shoulder. And they went right before this thing happened. Just giving you the backstory, Alberta wa is wanting seriously to secede from the Canadian Union, I guess if you want to call it that. So right? Alberta is like the Texas of Canada. We, it's the Texas of Canada. We want to just break away, and they were, now Alberta wants to break away and make its own thing. Uh, there was even a joke where Donald Trump was asking how much Alberta would cost. <laughs> so he was going to buy it and absorb it. And, you know, I yeah, he, know. Really, he really did that with Greenland, I think, right? I he, think he wants he, to buy Greenland. He or offered he to buy, buy I think he offered yeah. to buy Greenland. He was, it was like, I, I wonder how much it would cost. I don't know. Either yeah, way. Either he's way. A, it he's was a stable genius. Yeah, exactly. But either way, um, there was all that chaos going on. And then it turned out that we, 
a lot of people started doing independent research because they were finding out that a lot of these protests, just get back to the protests that were holding oh, yeah, this country we hostage, okay? That. Yeah, these protests and these blockades about the railways and the whole thing having to do with this natural gas pipeline, which didn't really make any sense because it was the whole point was to, it was basically was going to give all kinds of jobs and opportunities to First Nations peoples, all 20 tribes, because there's many different tribes in Canada, yeah. had all voted yes to having this pipeline built because they saw that they were getting really good opportunities, that it was done in a, the, the environmental thing satisfied them, it was all up to code and uh, that there was a good purpose behind it. This was a debate that was starting to happen within the First Nations community, and there was only a small voice, a small group of people who were dissenting against it. And we found out that a lot of these protesters that were on the tracks and doing this were not First Nations. Right. Many of them actually came from the United States, and we found out that the funding to this Wet'suwet'en tribe was coming from an organization called the Tides Foundation. And if anybody knows what the Tides Foundation is, it's essentially a George Soros organization that is a globalist organization that is trying to seed ideas of globalism into these various nationalistic countries. And there's all kinds of, and you know, they're all about promoting the, the, the feminist, um, social justice warrior, cultural Marxist type ideology. If you go on their website, they, they admit proudly that that's what they're engaged in. And that they're there to help support efforts to restructure the economy. So when you see this random protest start happening in Canada, you see that there is offshore funding by people who aren't Canadian who have their own political interests in mind. And then you see that the media is trying to cast this as evil white colonial settlers versus the poor First Nations who are always getting smacked around or whatever. But that's not the truth. You realize, no, no, the vast majority of the First Nation peoples actually want to uh, be a part of this, and they voted yes for it, yet there's obviously a minority of people that disagree with it. Why would the federal government not uphold the law and enforce the Canadian law, which is you're not allowed to burn pallets on the train tracks and hold the country hostage. You're not allowed to derail trains. You're not allowed to shut down the Canadian economy. You can't do that there's better ways of negotiating any issue that you have. First of all, within that community, if there's dissenting voices, that community should resolve it within its own community. And then if it's not working out, then we can get into more negotiations and do all that kind of stuff. But these guys went to Mach 7, and um, and then it started attracting a lot of the Extinction Rebellion crowd, a lot of the Antifa crowd, and a lot of what were called the Black Bloc, which is a Quebec organization that is essentially a... Uh, um, it's very similar to Antifa. You know, they wear the black masks, they go around and start riots and, and all these kinds of stuff. Yeah, we know? don't we don't have Antifa in Texas. <laughs> I wonder why that might be. This shit doesn't hmm. happen down here. They bro. don't. Texans don't let them throw uh, milkshakes with cement mixed into them. At, you know, they don't let that shit happen. We, yeah, we don't. We, yeah, we don't let people stand in our in our streets and link arms and block our pickup trucks. We'll, you don't we'll, let that happen. We'll, Good for you. We'll I wish drive fucking right through you. Exactly, exactly. Well, in Canada, we're always very polite. We're like, oh, sorry, are we inconveniencing you with our economy and our way of life and getting like most people, most average Canadians are just, you know, uh, good hearted people that want to get to work. Um, they want to produce for their family. They, they, they mean well. Um, and yet the media would almost make it look like Canada's full of a bunch of racist, bigoted, homophobic, uh, anti peace, harmony and climate ponies and rainbows people you seem and it's pretty like, racist no, to me 
I know I'm uh, it's horrible. Like, uh, but just to just to finish this story. So this yeah, is just yeah, the background, me. right, for the coronavirus. So right, this was right before the coronavirus thing hit. Was that... I was kind of sort of following this, the, okay. the wet to wet yeah. thing a little bit. So I was curious if that's what you were going to tell me. I didn't know yeah. any of that backstory about any of it. Um, you know, I've, I I'm consider myself kind of an advocate for the indigenous people, but I also have seen, unfortunately, that sometimes these things are not really what how they don't really work how they're presented to work right so you can be a an advocate for indigenous people you can be an advocate for um for oppressed people whatever that means to you and still be able to to discern when something is being falsely represented as something else well and this this was the question i asked i said okay I mean, I'm an advocate for human beings. Sure. I don't look at that. The media is the one, and the and these the, these uh, the sort of um, new progressive movement is trying to indoctrinate this idea that there are the oppressed and there are the oppressors. And if you're mm -hmm. in a specific group of oppressed people, and pick your oppressed group, man. There's there's a I call it the oppressed Olympics or the victim Olympics. Right. People are competing for the number one gold medal spot of who is the most oppressed. And yet you sit there and you go wait a minute, Western civilization was founded on principles. It was founded on these ideas that were unique to the world, which was, we're not going to look at people in terms of groups anymore. We're going to look at people as individuals that do operate within groups, but your rights and your merit and everything is all based on what you do. And that means you have the freedom as an individual to not get lynched by a mob of people that disagree with you, that you still have your freedom protected as an individual. You can think freely, you can speak freely, and you can act freely so long as you do not violate somebody else's free will, right? That was the whole premise. Even the story in the Bible of the, of the Christ character, which actually comes from Egypt and before, it's the same story you'll see in a lot of these ancient religious motifs, which is it's the story of the heroic individual transcending the herd or the mob mentality or the you know the lower level thinking or whatever you want to That's say it, yeah. it's that movement through the the underworld cycle and the rebirth and the phoenix rising and the, all of that stuff is is what we built our entire civilization on and there are a lot of people that have a different type of ideology that come from a different way of thinking that are trying to impose uh, and and sort of infiltrate their ideas in which is collectivism and we can talk more about that later but uh, essentially What's going on here is that I believe these First Nations people are being used as cannon fodder for other ulterior motives by certain you know, parties that we can name a little bit later as we talk about this. So, and they might not know it. Often is the case that victim classes, this is how it works, you know, the whole Marxist thing, it's like you got a victim class and then you got an oppressive class. And so if we can convince a lot of people that they're in the victim class, and that all their troubles in life and all the failures they've had isn't due to any of the personal choices that they may have made. And we're not going to educate them on how to maybe make better choices and be more educated and empower themselves with new skills and knowledge that they can go out and produce something. We're going to indoctrinate them with the fact that all of your ills are because of this other group over here that's oppressing you. And what you can do that is you can start to play people off each other. And this is yeah. an ancient political trick, yeah, people. Yeah. This is not new. Nothing happening now is new. It's just now we've got friggin' all this technology and there's a different it's a world lot we e live in. It's but... a lot easier to create an angry echo chamber in the age of social media yes. than it ever has yeah. been in the past. But you're exactly right. Yeah, it there's is. it's you take a, a class of people who are or, or were obviously oppressed, right? I mean, right. Uh, more so than, than, than others, right? Um, 
and you always have to sort of isolate it to um, to an era, uh, a time frame, and a geography too, right? Because I well, mean, can I can I pause you there? Yeah, yeah. Think, let's think about this, right? If you want to get there real quick, this is an interesting argument to have because I'm not saying I'm arguing with you. I'm saying in terms of the way you're going to think about this is okay. We could look at say First Nations people or African people or any of any you know just pick your class. Every group at some point in history has experienced some form of oppression or yeah. slavery or um, you know injustice. They've yeah. experienced it within their own groups of uh -huh. people, right? Like white people have enslaved, tortured, and murdered other white people. Yeah, yeah, black African people, are, people yeah. have enslaved, tortured, and murdered other African people. Indigenous people have enslaved, tortured, mm -hmm. and murdered indigenous people. Sure. And then amongst other cultures and groups, there's been wars. There's been religious wars, ideological wars, wars over land and, and resources. It's the it's just it. Humans are tribal by nature. It's the territorial imperative. This is just what we, and, and hope we all want to sort of transcend this. Right. But there's different ideas about how we can uh, sort of do that. And if we keep let me tell you this, if you were growing up and I told you, Adam, you know what? All these opportunities and all these dreams you're telling me that you have about your future. Unfortunately, you're never going to be able to achieve them because this group over here is is always your enemy and trying to hold you yeah. back. And they stole your land. They stole all of your opportunities. They did. All, and I inject you with that from day one. OK, mm -hmm. you tell me you're not going to have trouble when you're 16 years old. You're not going to really start feeling too bad about, you know, breaking and entering, stealing shit, getting into some. You know, because you're on a track where you're already in a victim mindset and you automatically view somebody else as some kind of aggressor. Now we can now this is where the debate comes in where you're like, well, is that true? Is there any truth to that? And that's where the debate of the day is, is you go, okay, there's definitely been some grievances in the past. Nobody is denying that, okay? But let's just remember, we're focusing our timeline and our history on a very small point. If we move that cursor over a little bit, suddenly, Let's let talk about – there's a great book called White Cargo. Does anybody know about this, the, the white slavery that happened? Does anybody know about the Ottoman Empire, that the, the Arabic slave trade dwarfed the American slave trade by like 95 percent? And that it was actually like winning the lottery when uh, you, know, you got transferred over to America versus going over to the uh, Ottoman Empire or whatever. And you know, so you start going, all of those things are horrible. Slavery in general is horrible. We have a podcast called Unslaved, okay? But the thing is, is you know, it gets dicey when people try to put the, well, I'm more oppressed than you, so therefore you have to do something now in this time for me. Yeah, and yeah. I would just say, listen, we need at some point to look at history and learn from it and move forward from it. Otherwise, all is going to happen is more tension, division, and strife and infighting. And who, Adam, let me ask you, who might benefit from having all of us fighting each other? I can't imagine. And not coming together on principles, which was the very founding of this civilization and allowed it to be as successful as it was. Who would benefit from the divide and conquer strategy? That's it. Yeah. You look at uh, maybe it's it's the uh, the six media companies that own every media network on the planet. You know, and maybe who runs it, them. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's the very small Kabbalistic family of bankers that own every central bank on the planet. Right. You know, maybe it's special uh, interests, however you want to look at it. You know, yeah. there's other people that benefit from division, from internal strife, because also that's a great, um, that's a great environment that new ideas can be injected and you can work on this process of keeping people in a herd mentality so that they're not thinking logically. Cause the only time you can have real logic thought or real logos, 
when you're when not you in fight alone, or flight. Oh, and when you're not fight or flight and when you are alone. And I'm not saying be alone, cut yourself off from the world. I'm saying you need a moment to be able to say, wait, everybody's cheering for the death of this person or the stoning of this person, or uh, they're all cheering for Adolf Hitler over there, or they're all cheering for Mussolini. Or, uh, maybe I should think about this. Is, is what this person doing right? Is this a good thing? Should we be stoning this woman because she looked at another guy? Like, is that a good thing? Yes. No, the individual's the only one that can make that analysis. Otherwise, you get drawn into herd mentality, right? Yeah, yeah. Just go to a hockey game or a baseball game, you know? Well, yeah, and that, that, that herd mentality, again, it, it is, it's that reptile brain, that lower chakra, root chakra thinking. It's the fight or right. flight. It's the safety thing, you know? And as long as you keep people um, in, in a state of abject mindlessness or abject distraction or abject panic, those are all, you know, it, in sort of the, the, the lens that I view the world from typically in the, the vernacular that I use is, you know, the, the root chakra sort of reactive reptile brain mind state. Look at it however you want. But um, when, you know, chaos is a Petri dish, you know, and you can inject anything you want into that Petri dish, uh, particularly anything toxic or negative or pollutant and you can get out of it whatever you want and so that's kind of what this corona thing has has looked like to me that's what donald trump's presidency has looked like to me um you know i've just never seen anything like this in my life and uh keep people scared and worried and you can kind of steer them it's like a you know it's like uh, steers and a or cows in a in a big herd or sheep in a herd you know you get these things panicked and um you can kind of control what they do it's like in lion king you know scar creates a, 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 a stampede with the wildebeest and he knows he sets up this whole thing he's like I'm just gonna get these things to stampede and they're gonna run this way and then they're gonna go trample the lion and everything's all gonna work out people are easy to predict whenever they're panicked and, and, and right. worried and so I don't know if I could predict the toilet paper thing though I, I that was a shocker I thought <laughs> wow everybody thinks that's the number one survival commodity on the planet that's interesting dude I was so surprised I still am trying to figure out what the correlation between <laughs> toilet paper and the fucking flu virus is um, but we, we did have like down here, we had people that, uh, everything was emptied out, you know, I mean, quite a bit, not everything, toilet paper and cleaning supplies. And, you know, even the cleaning supplies, I'm not sure I totally understand why, like how much Lysol do you really need in your house? How much can you really use to keep things sterile in your house? And, you know, I, I just, you know, if I worked through, I tried to figure out how I would use a lot of cleaning spray. Like how would I use it? How how could I use that in any effective way to fight against the virus or protect just myself? Just spray down your kids in the morning. Like Every, what they do when they go to the new prison cell, they're like, "Hey, I just spray them down with yeah. the mouse." But even then, they go they go out and they touch a thing, so it doesn't matter. And then if you're all just locked in your house, you just Lysol it with one can of Lysol, and then everything's clean and there's no contaminants. So what the fuck do you need all these cans of Lysol for? I don't get it, man. We we went to the ammo store, the ammo, all the common you know ammo types. You guys don't have guns in Canada, do you? It's soon, but we do have guns, but um, we're restricted to 10 mag uh, magazine or 10 round magazines and all kinds yeah. of other restrictions. And they want to take all of them. They're, yeah. they're really coming. It's yeah. the next stage, but whatever. Well, so they, they uh, hear yeah, people fucking walk around. I got samurai swords. <laughs> Tough to do. It's more, to do. It's more than you can have in the UK, man. You can't carry a <laughs> butter knife in your back pocket over there. You I go know. to jail. It's crazy. But we went to the ammo place. The ammo was like all the common ammo types for like your AR-15s and like uh, 40 and 45 caliber were, were gone. Um, but uh, food, like um, 
raw produce was still in high supply. Like nobody's buying raw produce. So you can go get fresh produce all day long. Apparently nobody thinks that produce is a thing. Um, uh, toilet paper is all gone. But you know what, what really was weird to me, um, and it's, it's getting weirder uh, and darker and more worrisome the more I, I see it and I'm exposed to it, is that when, when we would go out to the, uh, to the store uh, in those first few days last week after the, the, the World Health Organization issued this pandemic alert or whatever, was like, we, we didn't rush out and go hit the store the next day. I think that was like a Wednesday and then a Thursday. Everybody I talked to said that the Wednesday and Thursday, it was insane. It was like Black Friday shopping. Wednesday and Thursday were crazy. But we went out like Friday. We're like, fuck it. We don't really care. Friday, Saturday. But everybody we talked to was like really chill. And they were like, yeah, man, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about catching a disease. I think it's all bullshit. But, man, people are fucking crazy. And it just takes a small amount of people to panic and buy out all the meat. And now you can't feed your family. And so there's a lot of people that are, are really it seems to me 98% of the people are not worried. 98% of the people have a pretty good head on their shoulders, at least from what I've sampled, right? My small sampling here down in Dallas, Texas. But I've got friends like you, and, and we haven't gotten into your experience as much, but friends around the country who are all kind of saying the same thing. Like, everybody's not really worried about a pandemic. They're worried about the other people buying shit, and they're worried about the government locking them up in their house. You know, and I'm a small business owner, you know, and, and, and I do business with a lot of small business owners. And you're a small business owner. Um, this is fucking up my business. This is fucking yeah. up other people's businesses. And when you look at just the numbers, you know, we've, we've got like uh, 5,000 cases in the U.S. and we've had 93 deaths. Those are just like CDC numbers, right? Those, are, of course, they may be a couple of days out of date, but like whatever. It's, it's all, it scales. So you got like... 4,500 people or whatever that have this disease and you have 93 deaths or whatever, that's literally what the flu does every year here. And and even far worse than that. Yeah, and and uh, half of the deaths we've had here um, came from like the same nursing home. You know what I mean? And there was like, the, like every single person who's died has been from 60 to 90 years old and they've been um, they, they have pre-existing pre conditions. conditions. Yeah, this is so not a fucking thing, David. And and so here's what I want to. I'm what I really want your your input on is. I can't help when when I look at this and I say, okay, let's just assume for a second that this whole thing is being blown out of proportion, which it seems to me clearly is. Mm -hmm. um, at least here in the states, I'm, I I can't speak for China because I know everybody has a you know their input on that, but you know here in the states. All this lockdown shit just started in the last 24 or 48 hours. So it's not like being locked down has stopped the spread of this stuff. It's just right. not spreading people. I guess maybe people take in more vitamin C here or something. I'm not sure. But what's really worrisome to me is how the media and the government can, can instill such terror and panic and isolation and control over the populace like that over nothing. That's worrisome to me. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, it's, we're all trying to nail down exactly what's going on. There are conflicting theories out there, obviously. Um, I've been covering a bunch of them on my channel just to sort of say, okay, I'm just like you. We're all w watching this thing happen. Everybody's had their own experience. I see people freaking out here, and I also see people that are like pretty chill. If you've already been living somewhat of a preparatory lifestyle, if you live in a rural area or you know how to fish or how to hunt or how to, you know, garden, uh, you're probably not that worried. 
but I am a small business owner as well. And I am mostly concerned about the economic impact of this because the I don't know if anybody's been following the stocks, but uh, it's been going up, 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 up. And then all of a sudden, kush, it's smashed to record lows. Um, the Federal Reserve just brought their interest rates down to zero, which is historic. They've never done that. And I think that's actually a, a good step forward because they basically were creating money out of thin air and uh, charging interest on money that didn't exist. Uh, so if, for the fact that they're at the point where they're basically being told you have to drop your interest rate to zero, that's historic. The Dow Jones, the stocks, historic lows, that's going to have rippling effects. Even if we keep living locked down for the next two weeks, the amount of ripple effects that's going to have economically, especially for small businesses, is going to be it's going to be something to witness. It's going to be something we haven't done before. And especially on the back of the global economy already being in um, a crisis scenario for so long, although we did see a massive boom in the U.S. And um, but now because of this, everything, the lockdown, people are feeling like what's going to happen next. This is impending doom feeling. Um, you know, all these things are going on. One thing that was interesting to me was that everything happened right now was already simulated and practiced. And if anybody's new to this, this might come as a bit of a shocker, but I found this rather interesting. Okay, and I, I covered this timeline on my show where basically there was in 2015, 2016, there were all these articles coming out from, and these aren't just articles, this is from like Nature, these are uh, scientific journals where studies are being done, okay? Um, where they were looking at the idea that in America, in certain places in Europe, and in China, there are these facilities that are experimenting with man-made or man-manipulated viruses. And these articles from, and I was linking them through, they were talking about how coronavirus was one of these experimental viruses that they were experimenting on in labs, you know? And now we know there are multiple strains of coronavirus. This one we're dealing with now is the COVID-19. It's kind of like the, I was comparing it to the updates on your Apple phone. Like what, uh, what version of Apple do you have? Right. Uh, this is the up, this is the newest version of the coronavirus. And so there was some interesting events around that where it kind of, you started seeing little signs of, oh, they're in, in China, which we can't, there's a lot of things about China that I don't think a lot of people know. And it's it's very hard to get valid information from the, from there, but we have had actual verification that in Wuhan, which is the epicenter of where this outbreak allegedly happened, it's one of the newest installations was in, I think, 2015, 2016 of this lab that in China was doing experiments on these different viruses, specifically also this type of coronavirus or a type of coronavirus. They'll never admit that it's the same one. Right. And then leading up, then it was uh, 2017, I believe it was 2017, the World Bank did something that they've never done before, which is they built a, a bonds fund for pandemic emergency to generate funding for you know, countries that, maybe third world countries or whatever. And it sounds all great. It was like, oh, that's a good thing. We need to have funding for people that can't take care of themselves. But if, if you ever want to go down the World Bank rabbit hole, there's a whole story to be told about the history of this organization, the people that built it and founded it. Yeah, they can and read. Uh, you can read Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. Uh, and that's and that's a great book. And that's just the intro to what we could get into about the World Bank. Okay. Not a good. So, not a good group of people. 
No, and but they'll always put the mask of love and light, and we're out helping the world, and we're philanthropists, and 100%. we're out doing all this stuff, right? But that's just that's just so no, but you know you like don't the dis- disturb the sheep, right? Yeah, totally. So you know we had this thing, so it was just interesting. It was like, oh, okay, interesting. The World Bank is just randomly setting up this bond, and then it was October of 2019, where something called Event 201 took place. Now, I'm on the website right now, and anybody can check this out for themselves. It's called centerforhealthsecurity.org. And this was, just to give you an idea, this is an exercise. So I'll just read it from their own website. It says, Event 201 was a a three-and-a-half-hour pandemic tabletop exercise that simulated a series of dramatic scenario-based facilitated discussions confronting difficult, true-to-life dilemmas associated with response to a hypothetical but scientifically plausible pandemic. 15 global business, government, and public health leaders, and I will name those names in a minute just to give you some <laughs> something to think about, were players in the simulation exercise that highlighted unresolved real-world policy and economic issues that could be solved with sufficient political will, financial investment, and attention now in the future. The exercise consisted of pre-recorded news broadcasts, live staff briefings, and moderated discuss- discussions on specific topics. These issues were carefully designed and compelling narrative that educated the participants and the op- uh, the audience. It was the John Hopkins Center for Health Security, the World Economic Forum, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the CIA, the World Bank, um, the FDA, the CDC, the Chinese Center for Disease Control, and they all got together. So I'm now I'm just uh, going to scan through here where they're actually speaking about it's essentially how to deal with the catastrophic consequences of a severe pandemic. And it was, they simulated, get this, they simulated the release of a coronavirus. Now, they could have done Ebola, they could have done Zika virus, they could have done a weaponized virus that was developed in Iran somewhere and then released through whatever anthrax. They could have made up a new virus. Mm -hmm. Um, They could have been Virus X because it's an experiment. Nope, it was coronavirus. And this mock exercise, simulated exercise that was conducted by a bunch of very interesting groups of people was done in October of 2019. Only a few months later, we're in the exact scenario that they simulated. So I sat there and I went, what a little coincidence that is, eh? Like, and maybe it is, but I mean, okay, now you that just opens the door to a whole new way of thinking about what's going on. And as you said yourself, Adam, I mean, there's def- I believe there's a virus. I'm not one of those people that think this is a fake virus. I ju- there's definitely a virus. I personally believe, I'm 99% sure that I actually had coronavirus. Dude, I, I, I was- swear to God I'm in the same boat. I think I had it two weeks ago, 100%. Yeah? No bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Well, what was your symptoms? It, dude, it was, it was totally, honest to God, it was totally like a cold. My girlfriend was laughing at me. It was totally like a cold. But you know, like as a martial artist, as somebody who stays pretty fit and, and all that, you're very in touch with your body. Right. You know what I mean? You, 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 you know what's going on in your body, especially when you start to get sick. You know when something is there. Right. So I, I can know I'm getting sick two days beforehand, and it's usually I'll start dosing up on vitamin C and elderberry and get better or whatever. I didn't this time, but it was a different kind of cold. It was a different kind of feeling than I've ever felt. It was uh, I had throat drainage problems. My throat was sore. Um, I was blowing my nose. Things were all nasty. Um but what was interesting to me, and I'm going to get real woo-woo for just a second, but uh, so coronavirus, corona meaning crown, right, which right. is like the sun has a corona around it, you know, but it's, it means crown. And what I noticed was 
I had this sort of emanation coming off of my head. This sort of almost like as if you had a fever or something and you could feel it coming off. But I could feel this sort of oral emanation coming off of my head. And I've never experienced anything like that when I was sick before. And (laughs) it was just bizarre. Now, separate issue, maybe, um, coincidental, maybe not. We have a 5G tower like 100 yards from my home. So we've got a little farm out in the country, and somebody thought it was a good idea to put a cell tower out there because no one can get cell service out there. So my nine-year-old and I are going outside to go play in the rain, and there's a ringing. And I can feel this ringing right here in my crown chakra. I can feel it pulsating in my head, and I get this massive headache. And then I got sick just you know a couple of days later. Now, I've, I've never been someone who's ever talked about 5G. I don't I don't other than owning a technology company and understanding how, you know, how radio frequencies work and how that could be disruptive. I, I don't dig into that stuff much, right? Mm. Not much I can do about it. But this was, this sort of sent me on my, this flipped me on my head because I'm, I'm going, here's a 5G tower, you know, here's this ringing noise that was permeating through the whole neighborhood. My nine-year-old and I were walking through our whole neighborhood, this huge neighborhood with all these houses and um, huge land space that we covered. And you could hear this ringing. And my, my son said, he goes, man, it sounds like it's coming from everywhere. But when we would walk past the house and it would block that tower, the frequency would change or, the, or the, the volume would change or whatever. And so then it was just shortly thereafter that I got this really odd head cold and felt like I had this sort of coronal aura vibrating around my head and this really weird internal sort of uh, thing going on. Um, w- it went away after two or three days. Bunch of vitamin C, dry sauna, um, some rest, and it, and it went away. But that was that's my story. But I swear to God, it was unlike any illness I've ever had. Well, I mean, I think a lot more people, uh, and I, I don't know about the five G thing. I'm, I'm personally not into that conspiracy theory just yet. But I'm going to be bringing yeah, I'm on with, someone. I'm to with talk you, by the way. I'm with but you. But it's I'm, interesting. I'm I mean, not it there. And there should be more tests, and there's got to be more to it. And we don't know enough about it, and all of that. But I would just say, like my experience with this was, I had it. Whatever I had, I had it pretty bad. I had it. I was going back and forth to LA to do some shoot, some shoots, um, and I went to. I basically went end of January and then beginning of February. It was like back to back, and I have to go through Vancouver Airport and then all the way to LA and back. And um, when I got back on the second trip, it start the symptoms started to hit me, and it started off like a well, it started off with a fever, and I had a fever for five days straight. I've never had a fever for five days mm. straight. And I had that same feeling of like pressure in my head and that I could totally, when you were saying that feeling of a corona or whatever, I, I totally felt that. Wow. Um, I had a dry cough that eventually turned into something else. I, I had um, body aches like I've never had before. Yeah. Um, and I had to basically, I, I slept like so much. I couldn't believe how much I was sleeping. And I did the typical thing. I did oregano oil. I upped my vitamin C. Um, you know, stayed in tide, had some hot toddies, you know, yeah, and dealt with it. And I kicked it after eight days. I quarantined myself at home for 12 days. I couldn't even get in. The, the medical health care where I am is horrible. You can't even get in half the time. They, what what do you mean? Even... You're in Canada. You guys have the best health care system in the world. The, the, Screw that. We hear about it all the time over here. Yeah, it's bullshit. What do you mean? Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. No, you're wrong. You're <laughs> wrong. Your health care is great. I don't know. It's amazing. We have de- we have decent health care in terms of if you break something, great. But I'll tell you, you're going to be waiting in a merge for six to eight hours. And um, all the doctors are leaving 
Canada, all the really, really good doctors are leaving Canada because they actually get paid in U.S. and other places. So socialized medicine has ups and downs. And um, I'm more of a free market guy. So, you know, I think there's a better way to do it. Um, but either way, I couldn't get in. You, you, there's, you can't even get on a doctor's waiting list here. Um, and I'm not a huge doctor person anyways. You know, I just kind of go to them when I need it. But um, in this case, I took care of myself. I got through it fine. It was a rough sort of mild pneumonia kind of thing. I had all the symptoms, not only, oh yeah, and the la it was the last three days where I had very severe shortness of breath. Mm. And there was one night where I started to feel a little bit of panic set in about my breathing. Mm -hmm. There was that one night, and then my wife got some essential oils, put on the diffuser, started rubbing all this stuff all over me. She did some voodoo on me or whatever. She's a witch. <laughs> She's, She's a, a witch. witch. Drown her. Uh, and it just, it relaxed me. I fell asleep, I woke up, and then the symptoms were dissipating. So it was like that was the last battle I had to win. And I could totally see how somebody that was elderly or had a compromised respiratory system or whatever would struggle through this. Um, so I believe that when I spoke to health practitioners, um, I also spoke to some other people who also had confirmed diagnoses of it, you know, messaging people online. I compared notes with them, and not only were my symptoms exactly, they actually rolled out in the order that is typical. Oh, wow. And I've heard and I've even seen some preliminary studies that, you know, this thing hits men harder than women. Mm. Um, it's virtually nothing with children. Uh, like I was in my house. My wife got it. She had it for five days. I had it for eight days. She had less symptoms than me, but it was the same rollout. My kids had a sniffle for one day and then and a fever and then they were good. And it was weird because they were kind of battling the hand, foot, mouth thing. Yeah. Right at the edge. So I don't even know if that's what that I don't even, right. even got it. Um, my kids are super healthy and so it, it kind of went through and then I actually moved out of that like we, we sanitized the hell out of everything we clean everything up I moved and then um, you know was fully recovered back to normal no problem back to training back to running doing all the stuff I do uh, feeling amazing I actually feel in a weird way like I almost got upgraded or something because yeah. I, I personally believe when your immune system conquers a challenge things upgrade in you because you had to bring the force to, to fight everything things. else in the world works that way Right. So I just want to say about this is that I'm, I believe it's a real virus. Yeah. I believe it's a real thing. I actually think there's more evidence to show that this thing is man-made, that this is, a, our, this is not a naturally occurring virus that came from some fish market somewhere. Although I've, obviously I'm open to having my mind changed on that, but I, there's I can, some very I interesting information about the fact that this thing has markers, genetic markers. It's been genetically profiled by experts, and the ones that are willing to speak out are saying – there's nothing natural about this shit, okay? And so you kind of start to wonder, was this, so the, the theories start coming in my head. I'm like, okay, uh, let's remember that in China, like a couple months before and right up to the coronavirus, they were dealing with massive historic protests by the people in China against the CCP, okay? The communist state. They were protesting against it. We hadn't seen this kind of reaction coming out of China for a long time. And then they start showing the footage of the drone cameras flying over Wuhan and other cities in China as this thing unfolds. And it's empty streets, man. Empty streets. So you start to think, okay, we got a facility in Wuhan that just so happens to be the only facility in that area that tests these super viruses and tinkers around with them. Uh, could have something accidentally slipped out of this lab. Could they have been developing an experimental vaccine for SARS and started doing some testing and did that backfire and start this whole thing. 
could there have been a, 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 a deliberate release of virus by the Chinese government or elements from within it or whatever to 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 shut down and they were hoping it would just be stuck with China and it would have died out because they they probably knew it was mild um, and they could they could deal with it but they needed something to sort of disrupt everything and shut everything down or was this in an open air fish market where people were eating bat soup like that was kind of where I started thinking about this then when I started seeing the way things were being dealt with globally the way the media was responding and everything else, I started to see, oh no, there's something bigger going on here because of the reaction. Whether this was a natural thing or whether this was planned, there are people who are scavenging this and are taking advantage of it because we're also in the middle of a major global political and economic battle that is pretty much covert, but we're seeing the ramifications now coming out and everybody's starting to wake up to what's happening. And so you go, okay, so we're in the middle of a massive political, cultural, uh, social unrest. We're in the middle of people doing climate alarmism and alarmism of all this and alarmism of all that. People are protesting all over the place and fighting amongst each other. And then, boom, this coronavirus comes in and just snaps everybody up straight. And now nothing else matters but this coronavirus in the minds of most people. And now the next phase comes in where there's the reactions of the governments and what they're doing. Some are locking things down, doing this, doing that. And then there's the talk of, well, now we need to rush this this vaccine and start testing it and get it to market as fast as we can. Um, and then the question is, well, are they going to start to make these things mandatory for you to travel, for you to whatever? Um, are there going to be quarantines? People are concerned about martial law. People are concerned about a lot of things. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I do know that we do have to be aware of the economic situation. And I know that there is an economic battle happening. And you kind of wonder... Who benefits from this? Who benefits from the fact that they're plunging the markets down, meaning everything's going to start to get bought up really, really quick and right. consolidated, just like we saw in the panic of the, of the 20s and 30s, right? And and 2008 with the housing bubble, and then you know the quantitative easing that came in, and you know we're so in a way the economy there's good and bad. Yeah, more control measures coming in, all of this stuff, but also exposures to the public about how certain systems are not working. And how, yes, it is important that we do have border controls, because if we had more border controls, like the way Russia did it on day one, they're like, shut down the entire border and make sure nobody's coming and going. They, they, they don't have a massive outbreak in Russia, as far as I know. I haven't seen anything lately coming out of there. Um, whereas other places like Canada, who's like, didn't do anything, anything to restrict travel. I was in the airport when this thing was in the middle of the breakout. And all there was was a couple signs that were like, hey, wash if you have hand. any symptoms, wash your hands, cough into your elbow, don't just you know sneeze on people, it'll be, it'll be fine. And they're not scanning anybody, they're not doing anything, and you're like, okay. Whereas other places were like, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. And so you wonder, in some places they're overreacting, in some places they're underreacting. We'll see how it all rolls out. But then I started getting into, oh, they practiced this. There's um, yeah, shit gets people, weird. CEOs are stepping down. Why are why is Walt Disney? I, I was going to ask you down? about Bill that. Gates, all this shit. Yeah, you did. Did you just post about that? I, I think I saw a post. And it was like all these all these CEOs are stepping down, and it's like it's 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 an unprecedented number of CEOs Historic. of major yeah. corporations all stepping down, and then you have this dry run they did this event two hundred one or whatever back in October, like you're talking about. And there's just a lot of weird shit happening. And then you have this man-made virus that's being released. And, and again, to me, one of the spookiest things about it, just to me, is that it's not a very dangerous virus. Um, right. Is because this is 
obviously a fucking test run for something. That's that's the really spooky thing for me is like if this was really a scary, scary virus and they were locking people down and they were shutting cities down, it would be a little more comforting. I got a farm out in the country. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like right, it, right. We, we got food stores. But it's like this is 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 like the common cold. It's like that level of danger. And and yet they have managed to convince people to to stay in their homes, to not go to work, to not hang out with friends and You'd family. You think it's the zombie apocalypse? Yeah, you really if would. You, if I if I woke up from a coma today, I would think that the zombies are coming. Like the way yeah. the reaction is happening, and then other people are like, well, we have to do it to stop the spread and save the old people and the. Of course, like we want to do things to stop it, but we didn't do this stuff for SARS for H1N1. H1N1 killed over a thousand people before Barack Obama actually declared a state of emergency in the US. You just told me that there's like what 50, 60 or no 90, 93 under 100 people under 100 people. Yeah, under 100 people. And yeah. I think they said oh, like close to half of those were in this one old folks home yeah. in Maryland or something. Yeah. And yet in with H1N1, it reached to the point where over a thousand people had been killed. They declared a national emergency. And then what was interesting was what happened with the pharmaceuticals at that point, because then they said, OK, as the virus, it does its natural peak and then it starts to die off. It mutates um, the human. We respond to it. Right. So it starts to die down as it's dying down. They're rushing to get this vaccine done. It was very rushed. They didn't go through all the safety procedures. There was a lot of fallout from that, by the way. There was also a lot that were wasted. So w they made four point nine billion shots. Okay. Two, it was I think it was two or three companies that ended up producing 4.9 billion of these vaccines. Only about 10 to 15 percent of those shots were actually used. The rest were thrown out because they went bad. Yet, who did they charge? Who did the pharmaceutical co companies charge the money for to pay for those shots? They charged the governments of the world, yeah. which means we paid for it out of our tax dollars. Yep. So that means we paid for something. And we paid 90% over what we ended up using. And I'll tell you, even if they charged a dollar a shot, which they didn't, that's $4.9 billion. Okay. So how much per shot? You start doing the math. You go, okay, our governments are in debt. And then these companies come in to save the day with a shot. And we can debate the efficacy and safety of that another time. Um, they're get, you tell me there's no massive incentive for a globally – distributed product that has just had the best PR campaign you could possibly buy. And then it turns out that it actually didn't even work because they didn't vaccinate 100% of the people of the world with the thing, right. yet the virus died off. They only vaccinated 10 to 15% and the virus still died off. How did that happen? If if it was the, and they're, they're gonna tell you today, it was our H1N1 vaccine that killed it when that's not true. SARS disappeared by itself without a vaccine. Okay. Really? So now that, yeah, oh yeah, oh, it, there was no vaccine and it just disappeared. It, it did its thing and it does what viruses do. Only six to eight months ago, the pandemic discussion was happening around measles, man. Measles. There were people here in the health yeah. industry that were saying we need mandatory measles shots because measles is breaking out because 20 people got measles. And so there's a there's an alarmist thing built into the mainstream medical establishment the pharmaceutical lobby is the biggest lobby on the planet Earth. They outspoil, they outspend the oil and gas industry two to one. These are the medics, the hospitalers, the, the wealthy, powerful groups. They were set up by the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, many of these other families we know about, big banking dynasties that started that entire enterprise. And they changed the, uh, the medical establishment from being both allopathic and homeopathic 
to being purely allopathic to being pharmaceutical. Yeah. And they turned it into a massive, massive business model that was even more profitable for them than the oil and gas business. So you think, oh, Halliburton, evil organization. Well, yeah, wait till you get into some of these big pharmaceutical companies. So you realize that, okay, people, and there's many well-meaning people within these organizations who all believe in this religion, right, of how to deal with this. Yeah, sure. But the thing is, is that you can't stare me straight in the face and say that somebody isn't sitting there smiling ear to ear with this coronavirus pandemic and the fact that the media First of all, the media is has, I think, 65 to 70 percent sponsorship from pharmaceutical companies. So when you're watching television, news agencies, broadcasts, all of that. Yeah, you talked about the five companies, those five companies, the, a massive amount of them are also in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. So the media will always represent that argument. So you are now trusting eight organizations that let's just say this. OK, companies like Bayer, GSK, um, some of these other companies. They have been on criminal trial since their inception. They pay out millions a year to pay off families and people in courts for damages done by variety of products that they make. The media doesn't report that. It doesn't really talk about that, right? Right. Then we just had the opioid crisis with the um, – oh, what's that thing? The chemical that they use – is it uh, – Fentanyl? Fentanyl. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Fentanyl thing, right? And we had there was a Canadian pharmaceutical company, a bunch of other pharmaceutical companies that were on, they were being tried in court because they were knowingly selling products that had this fentanyl, the fentanyl, the opioid crisis, the fentanyl thing started killing people, um, and they didn't take it off the shelves. That's good shit. There's man. many cases. Yeah. So you sit there and you, I could keep going through the history of these organizations, the amount of uh, gross misconduct and even criminal things that they have done. And these are the people, ladies and gentlemen, you are trusting to save you from this coronavirus. That is, like you said, it's got a 97% survivability rate, and yet they're locking the world down as if it has a 97% kill rate. And during all of that, are you telling me that you don't think the economy and the political battles that are happening have anything to do with this, whether this was natural or man-made or, or whatever it is? Do you not think that there are going to be other angles brought into perpetuating this whole thing to keep everybody in lockdown to like it's problem reaction solution. Right. And yeah. you have to never forget that. So when I was coming out and I got a lot of shit from people that are like, you're just spreading conspiracy theories and all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, I'm just giving you theories, giving you ideas, different ways of looking at it. You can't deny that these things have happened. We don't know the full story, but I think we shouldn't take anything off the table because if you're just going to sit there and absorb what the media is telling you about this and just go, yeah, World Health Organization, I'll just listen to everything you're saying without any critical judgment or backstory, you're, it's, it's hopelessly naive in my opinion. So while I want, a, I want a solution, I'm not saying don't do anything. I'm not saying we don't need to try to do our best to help protect the people who are immunocompromised. We absolutely should. That's common knowledge. But let's not give up our entire uh, freedom and all of our um, – Everything that makes us what we are, let's not just give that away and allow them to create a big centralized super state government in the process and allow them to completely hijack whatever little semblance of an economy we have left as out of the ashes of whatever this turns out to be. And so that's what I'm watching is I'm looking for the scavengers. I'm looking for, you know, who's going to take advantage of this and also who maybe there is some some truth to the fact that this whole thing was done on purpose. And I, you just, 
maybe not, but why can't we ask that question? Why is that such a hard question to ask when we definitely have many historical precedents that I could sit here forever listing to you as, you know, if I, if I lied to you once, Adam, you would, you would probably maybe forgive me and go, hey, man, you, know, you can tell me the truth, right? But if I kept lying to you, you would just be like, well, fuck that Dave guy. I mean, he keeps lying to me. I don't, I'm not hanging out with him anymore. I'm not going to trust him. Your trust level keeps going down. Yeah. And then what if I just walk up and punch you in the face or do something to your, your, your something to you, you're now going to start hating. You'd be like, get this guy out of here. He's a criminal. Like if well, you did, we've, that we've was been, me, we've but, been but conditioned. Finish, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But to finish that thing is, would you then say, okay, uh, organizations that are responsible for the deaths of countless people that are grossly incompetent, that are, uh, cr have had their, their, they're criminal. They're all, they're all indicted criminals. Why would you trust them? Why, why is that? The only way you would is by being injected with all kinds of fear that then they're going to come in and say, we're the only way forward. And where else have we heard that shit before? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no that's it, man. And I was just going to say to your point is that we've, um, I think about this a lot, you know, we've, I say we as a, as a mass collective, right. And generally speaking, but we've, we've become so accustomed to, corruption in high places that it's it's just how it is and we just accept it for being what it is and it, it's this crazy dissonance that I, I i don't understand the more i look at it the more i don't understand it um is we just it's like with the politics the pharmaceutical companies fast food the media it's like no one even doubts how fucked up the whole system is anymore like even the most asleep unaware sheep you know that you encounter um in the the drive-through line at McDonald's nobody even like really thinks that the politics are really working right like no one really thinks that politicians can be trusted no one really believes that in, any congressman really has their best interests in mind nobody believes that they're not you know corrupted by money and special interests nobody believes that the media is really is really reporting truth from either side no one right. believes this shit but no one has any other paradigm that they can exist in no one has any right. other way of thinking outside of that so it's like yeah i mean i know that like bear and like monsanto and like all these big corporations that make our fucking food and our medicine our so-called medicine drugs chemicals all these guys they've spent billions of dollars on settlements to families of people they've killed and maimed and everything else but like you know they're still the companies that are on TV and they're still the ones that our doctors tell us to take their medicine. So, I mean, you know, to, to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. It's, <laughs> it's so funny what you're saying. And as you're, as I'm listening to you say it, it, it just confirms the way I think about this is I just did a series on my truth warrior channel about cults and it's an ongoing mm -hmm. series that I'm doing, analyzing cults from ancient times all the way up to the Jim Jones, the heaven's gate, you know, all that and up to the political cults. And what I was identifying there is the herd mentality and not just pointing the fingers at these cult leaders, but saying, what is it about these cult leaders and the way they speak and the way they uh, bring you into the cult that attracts the masses of people into it? Like what convinced those just under 1000 people to go to Jonestown and commit suicide together and even get their children to drink the Kool-Aid to commit suicide? How do you go from a normal person that's just you know, going to work, go, you just need a church group, you need some people to hang out with, and then all of a sudden you're ready to drink Kool-Aid for this guy. And you, 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 when you start analyzing human psychology and you, you start researching the behaviorists of the past and you start researching 
how much information many of these powerful organizations and many of these people in the world have on you, on how your psychology works. We are not educated on how our psychology works. We don't know and understand what drives us to do things or to not do things. But there are people who take notes on that, like scientists in a lab, that know exactly how you tick. So while you just said that, you went, hey, all these people kind of know that we can't trust uh, many uh, people in power and these bankers and we kind of know something's up, but we still just go along with it because we don't have any other paradigm. That's actually a symptom of a form of mind control because these people, I'm sure at some point in these cults like Heaven's Gate where they all uh, committed suicide because they thought they were going to jump on the back of Hale-Bopp's comet and end up in the ninth dimension. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good shit. This, yeah, th this, uh, these people at some point must have seen signs from the leader uh, and, and from the whole ideology that was like, yeah, th this maybe isn't going the right way. But what was it that, uh, that made them screen that out and go, no, yeah. it's, the, it's the right way. It's the same thing. It's the same look in the eye of those poor Jehovah's Witnesses as they're coming to your door or uh, those people that are blinded by one form of political thinking or whatever. And you just kind of go, there's no other room in that mind for another idea. And so those people are easily controlled. Right. And and that was what it was, was for me was I was like, We've got all this stuff happening. Why are not? Why isn't? Why is nobody reacting? Why is there no reaction? There's nobody's doing anything. Our gen, our forefathers, would have be would be rolling over in their graves if they would have seen what our generation and the generation before us sacrificed to, like in terms of rights, freedoms, and all these things. They would be rolling in their graves because they fought and died to prevent that from happening. Yet, if you keep tenderizing the masses over generations you can have an outcome that you maybe couldn't achieve 40, 50 years earlier. You can now change that outcome in the future. And there's writings on this. There's roundtable groups that study this, how to change culture, how to change it so that it's easier to manage. It's better controlled. It's highly recognized. Well, they're going to sell you the, the, this is the utopia. We're going to build the utopia yeah. for you. The one world coming together, kumbaya. But, uh, you know, Let's look at the track record of the individuals that are selling you that world. Right. And, and you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Guys like uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski and Henry Kissinger and these guys oh that God. have these really incredible, I mean, brilliant next-level geniuses is what they are. And they understand sociology and social manipulation um, and economics and all of it from such a, a high-level generalist standpoint that these guys are like, look, we, we can really create a very well-ordered system where these sheep will just, or these robots will just do what we tell them to do. And they'll just go through this school system that we set up and then they'll believe the things that we tell them to, and they'll eat what we tell them to, and they'll get sick and they'll go to the hospitals that buy the pharmaceuticals that are all sold by the companies that we regulate, that we own. And it, it's, it's this whole chessboard of, of, uh, of intentional fuckery. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say the system's well, broken, but it's, it's working as intended. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? For anybody listening to this going, ah, Adam just went on this crazy conspiracy theory tirade here. I'm going to back you up, man. I'm going to back you up. What you just said comes from Zbigniew Brzezinski in his book Between Two Ages. And he says this. He calls it the technotronic era. The technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite unrestrained by traditional values. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. 
These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. Now, if what I just said to you, people are kind of like, oh yeah, we're kind of already there. Yeah, also, what, do you th what kind of information do you think they're gonna start asking for you because of this coronavirus? Yeah. We're gonna be talking about DNA, DNA swabs, blood testing, uh, retinal scanners, um, you know, airport, bus stops, schools, everything, lockdown, more information, more control, more surveillance. It's a step-by-step -step process to achieve this dream. When was this book written? In the 90s? And I could sit here, dude, and I've done it on other podcasts, and I could just sit here reading quotes from verified source material from these types of people who are looking forward to creating that highly controlled world run by an unelected elite class that will be faceless to you in the same way that you know, the, the people that run Walt Disney is faceless to you. The people that run McDonald's are faceless to you. Like your politicians, your politicians are like the manager at McDonald's. They get, they're on a need to know basis. Uh, there's, there's levels to this shit. This yeah, compartmentalized. Yeah. And then that manager only knows what he needs to do to run that one little McDonald's uh, location. Yeah. And then there's the CEOs and the investment boards. And then the people that own investment in McDonald's and in Amazon and in Google, and in Monsanto, and in Bayer. You know what, I'm, there's those yeah. people, those people that own plastic. They own the oil production industry, they own it. There's those people. We barely own our own money. We don't even own the land our homes are built on, even if we pay that shit off. You know, I know it's all crown land in Canada. It's all owned by the Queen of England and those people, and the people that represent them. So you start to realize that that control system is desired by these elites because they are control freaks. See, if you if you ran a society that was built on the original American values and the original Western values of, of individual liberty, free market, free thought, free idea, that was a slap in the face to the aristocracy of the day. The British Empire and all these other empires and the people that run that shit. We're not talking about the British people. We're not talking about the American people. We're talking about the, the, the small little elite that run that shit. You don't run it, I don't run it, someone mm -hmm. else does. We just go, oh, these people know what they're doing. We don't run it. So you gotta start asking a question eventually. Well, I know that there's always been written down for fucking 200 years plus, we wanna create a one world government system of unelected elite classes built, and this you could go into Carol Quigley's work where he said the system that these people wanted to build, because he sat in there at Jonestown University, the people who want to build this system, they want a combination between communism and what he called super capitalism, which I call crony capitalism because it's not capitalism at all. Everybody like an oligarchy. That term. Exactly. And essentially, it's the rebuilding of a feudalistic society that will give you chains of gold as opposed to chains of lead. So you'll be you'll be like, oh, I got all this entertainment. I got all this fast food. I got all this shit. I got all this stuff. I have freedom. No, you don't. And that's the difference. And so people like us. I want to see human beings thrive. I don't want people to just live on the baseline common denominator. I want people to prosper and thrive and grow human, human prosperity and, and, uh, you know, and, and bring us to the next level thinking like I want the geniuses that had the ability to see the future to be brought back to their, nor the, the real status instead of the, the monkeys that have replaced them in their, in our culture. And so, you know, you got to think, okay, we have, this situation where there's been this agenda to basically run the world, control it, and do all this. What better way to achieve that if all the other plans start failing than to threaten everybody and to threaten their very survival by saying, we have a pandemic worldwide, whatever, 
And now that will justify all these new controls that we're going to bring in. And guess what? This is something they've also always said is that people will gladly accept this new world system. Given the right emergency. Given the right emergency, people will scream for it. And that's what they want you to do. They want you to get on your knees and beg them to save you from your fear. So what I'm trying to tell you, it, regardless of the nature of this virus, whatever, whatever it is, is this is the time where we live in turbulent times where you need to know yourself, you need to trust yourself, and you need to empower yourself in this time to be able to face whatever's coming and not to succumb to that fear. You know, don't let that pull you down. Whatever this is, I don't think this is as big a deal as they're making it, but I am concerned about other things. But that doesn't mean I walk around paranoid and I'm living in fear about everything. Um, it, it's something that I accept as a reality on this planet. I just work to prepare myself for worst case scenarios and to you know, stay optimistic, stay positive, team up with like-minded people, uh, do the work that I feel like I'm here to do. And I, I just invite everybody to take a breath and maybe this is even a good thing in the end. Maybe there's a silver lining here where maybe it's not bad that the world kind of pauses for a little bit and everybody's at home with their family and they're rethinking everything. And um, I hope there isn't a horrible situation where people are starving or any of that kind of stuff. Or, but I, I just think that it's in, in one sense, you could look at a little bit of a positive thing where we get to slow things down, have some time to think. There's no sporting events anyways. So now we're, maybe we're going to read a few more books. Maybe we're going to have conversations face to face as opposed to just texting all the time. Maybe we're going to connect to our children more. Maybe we're going to rethink the way we have our as our lifestyle. Maybe we're going to think about our health and take more proactive measures about our health. Uh, maybe we can be more sanitized in the way that we interact with each other uh, in, in a certain way so that we don't spread diseases. Uh, there's a lot of things that we could look at as a positive here that outside of whatever's going on in the social political milieu, we do have control over. And that's what I'm trying to tell people is this isn't a time for fear. It's definitely a time for awareness and for action. But there, there's always two sides happening. Evil and darkness and disease and destruction is not the only force in nature. It is a force that we can't deny, but it's not the only one. There's a polar, there's two polarities, and there's always a good mix of good with the bad. The media is telling you only the bad news. So we have to be aware of that, but also then understand, hey, there are some positive things that we can pull out of this. And maybe this, just like I was telling you how this virus that I caught was something that I felt kind of like, I don't know, it kind of stirred me and activated some things in me because it, it, it drew, drew on my energy and forced me to fight back. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a weird way, this coronavirus pandemic and the economic turmoil that's to come is a way to sort of like jumpstart the immune system of humanity and get us to think for once. Because before, when you and I were talking to people about all this stuff with the bankers and the wars and the contrived this and, hey, we got to watch out for that and the laws, people were kind of like, yeah, I got one ear on that and another ear on, you know, whatever, Joe Rogan and, and uh, UFC. Y- you got to say, no, no, now you have to listen yeah, because this is coming to your doorstep. Put the the minutia aside for a minute and focus on reality and the world you live in and the con- and what's going on. I think in a way humanity needs this shakeup. I think you're right. I think that's that's sort of the angle that we've been looking at it from in our house is that, you know, we uh, like I said, we have a small farm. and we, I grew up on a farm and my family all lives fairly close to me. And, you know, my parents still have the farm that I grew up on. And they're uh, you know, we have. We've got uh, we've got a refrigerator, several many refrigerators full of meat from cows that we've raised and had slaughtered, and pigs, and we have chickens, and we we collect eggs, and we just recently um, 
you know, I had a video, got some, some, some angry messages, but we recently slaughtered a couple of our geese that were killing our chickens and we slaughtered them. And I have a buddy that has a beautiful restaurant, a Texas Mediterranean restaurant. And we took the geese to him and <coughs> we cooked them with them and made, made this beautiful meal, uh, of these geese. And this was before all of this stuff happened. The goose thing happened just a couple weeks before all of this huge, before all this uh, Corona stuff really hit the States and became a thing here. And um, it was so ironic because it was just within a few days of it. And I was doing this video with the, with about the geese. And I was like, guys, look, you know, it's not a bad idea every once in a while to get back into contact with your food chain, you know, and to, mm. to, to understand. I grew up hunting. I'm not a hunter now. And uh, the, the geese were the first animals I've killed in probably 15 years, you know, honestly, but Right. Um, I'm not big into it, but, uh, you know, it, it, what, what, what people I hope are seeing here among all the other things that you mentioned of spending more time with your kids, mm. sitting inside drawing and, and right. Hopefully people aren't just sitting inside binging the fucking news. Cause I feel like there's probably yeah. a lot of that happening. Um, go I would play some Scrabble or something, play some Scrabble, play Jenga with your kids, you know, go, go grapple with them on the floor, wrestle with them, hit them in the head with the pillow, you know, do, do that stuff. Um, side item, it seems to be raining fucking everywhere. Like, is it raining up where you're at? It's gray today. We had sun last two days, but uh, yeah, today it looks like rain's on the way. It was but I am on an island, so. Well, it's it, here. This is a thing because like I, in my app, on my weather app on my phone, I've got like all these different places that I travel to mm. and I check the weather all the time. So I might be curious, and I'm like, well, I wonder how the weather is in L.A. I wonder how it is in Connecticut. I wonder how it is in New Orleans. I wonder how it is in Chicago. And so I'm always kind of flipping through, checking the weather all over the country and always enjoying the diversity of the weather. And in some right. cases, getting to, getting sort of accustomed to the weather patterns. I've, like, I've got a buddy who lives in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm sure you don't have any idea what that is, but it's his weather patterns are basically exactly like ours. He's about a 10-hour drive away, but but he, he gets our weather patterns like 24 to 36 hours after we get them, but it's almost the exact same weather pattern, right? Mm -hmm. So just trying to paint a picture of, of the fact that I, I sort of pay attention to these weather patterns. I've never seen a situation like I see right now where I've been checking these weather the weather app for the last four, five, six days, and by and large, from coast to coast, we've got the rainiest week I've ever seen, and it's just flowing mm -hmm. in. It's from That's interesting. Coast. Yeah, it's what really, do you think's going on with that, dude? Look, I'm. I think I maybe I'm like you in this sense, right? Like the like the five G thing I mentioned earlier, dude. That is the right. first time I've ever brought up five G. I've never bought into five G. My friends would come over and point at the big tower in my backyard, and I'm like, I don't fucking care, whatever, you know. Right. But it was bizarre, and it was real, and you know, it was it was a, a it was a thing. It was a really a thing, and it was so bad that it gave me a migraine. And my my right. son was like, this is really you know, it's, it was coming from everywhere and we have a huge, big neighborhood. Um, and so the weather patterns are another one of those things. Like I don't really talk about this stuff much. I don't talk about chemtrails. I don't talk about weather modification. It's not really my thing. Um, but recently I accidentally did stumble onto some things. Um, like for instance, uh, JC, my co-host, my buddy and I were just looking at some stuff and we looked up, uh, we Googled, a matter of fact, I'll do it while you're here. Sure. Um, weather modification, Texas. Okay. And when I pull that up, the first thing that pops up is um, a Texas.gov website, which is a, an official government Texas website. And it says 
The aim of regulating weather modification in Texas is to ensure that various methods of modifying the weather do not dissipate clouds nor inhibit their ability to produce rainfall to the detriment of people or property in the affected areas. Um, I click on that website, and uh, we did this the other day, and you can actually go and fill out a an application um, to get us to get a certification to modify the weather over Texas using several different means, whether that's cloud seeding or um, uh, electromagnetic um, long wave frequency manipulation, like a harp thing or whatever. Right. So, you know, um, I found a, so that sent me down a rabbit hole and I, I started looking at some things in North Texas. We have one of these cloud machines and then in Hawaii, they have one of these things and you can go to the live weather radar over Hawaii or over North Texas and over Southern California. And you can watch these things churning out the, the clouds that would then move in and become the weather systems. They have, they have one in Hawaii. I forget which Island, but you can look it up. I'm sure just look up weather modification or cloud, um, cloud machine um hawaii and it's insane dude i didn't believe it and this is all really new to me i just saw it a couple months ago and and these um you can see the clouds just exploding out of this southern hawaiian island and drifting across the pacific into southern california and then there's a whole farm of these things in southern california and they just they just jet out massive clouds and then, and then sure, you turn on the weather channel and you fucking see it. And they're like, oh, we have clouds coming in from the Rockies. And it's like, no, they're fucking, they're coming out of the, out of the, these giant cloud factories. Right. Um, so at this point. We live in a time where we have cloud factories, Adam. What it, the fuck? It, what the fuck? It's so weird. And so I don't know, man. You know, I, I don't, I don't like to live in that space. Here's my thing, man. It, it's, I know people in this, I've, I've been doing this for 15 years in this sort of space, right? Had a podcast yeah. and. And, you know, I went down some dark rabbit holes 15 years ago and you start getting into some shit. I know you've been there and yep. you just got to take a break. And totally. one, of, one of the rules, the, the policies I put in place for myself that I think a lot of people need to enact if they're not already is don't spend too much time worrying about shit you can't change. Right. Don't, don't spend too much time worrying about chemtrails or cloud seeding or whatever the fuck it might be. You know what I mean? Um, elitist pedophile rings and things like that, because that that's. Therein lies damnation, right? Like you can't, it won't do you any good. But the reality is there are some weird weather patterns going on. And I don't know what that has to do with the Corona thing, but they've got us all inside. They're telling us all to come inside and there is rain. It's an, I'm convinced it's an artificial, um, uh, rain, uh, situation from coast to coast. I've never seen this before. My friends in Connecticut, my friends on the, on the West coast and everybody in between, it's like rain and fucking snow and precipitation. You know, at first I, th- I, I thought maybe maybe this coronavirus thing's really bad and like they they're just manipulating the weather so they can wash everything and get the air washed out. Um, now I don't think that's the case. Um, moist air is easier to manipulate with like electromagnetic waves, like with the harp and stuff like that. So I don't have a lot of theories on it, but I just wanted to put that out there that. The weather is interesting. is very much not doing a normal, natural thing right now from coast to coast in America. And I haven't looked at Hawaii. I haven't looked at any other countries. But my entire weather app, you know, you just go look a week out and everywhere seems to be rainier than ever at a time when they're also sticking this inside. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, maybe they're just trying to keep everybody grounded and, and trying to I don't know. Or it's really hard to say. I mean, I did uh, interviews on that years ago. 
I interviewed Clifford Carnicom and I interviewed Dane Wigington and then I interviewed uh, the harp guy. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. He, he did the most writing books on, on harp and what it was. And it's the, the research those guys came up with on that. It, it's just, it's, it's fascinating that it even exists, you know, like yeah. I don't know the end of it. I don't know. I look at it and I know, I know how deep this rabbit hole goes in terms of what's possible. I know that there are official military documents on it. I know that there's been tests. I know there's, they, they can do it. They absolutely can do it. They can seed the clouds. They can manipulate the weather. They can use it as a weapon. Um, they can use it to change the weather in Beijing for the hey, Olympics. Hey, well, let me, let me, can, let me you take know, you. So a, it's possible. Let me take you a step further because, you know, going back to like this, um, this website that I just referenced that I looked up, um, I read into it a little bit more and I started finding some YouTube videos and finding some other stuff like, like clips from news channels and news stations and talk shows and public conferences like the Council on Foreign Relations and stuff. Mm. Dude, there's like a whole, a whole market, like a whole industry of of weather modification companies that fucking compete for contracts. Right. Like, yeah. just you know yeah. what I mean? Like, just just like it's like Lockheed and fucking Boeing might be competing for the space shuttle contract. There's like however many, a half dozen or a dozen or twenty. I don't know how many companies. I assume it's a small pool of a half dozen or so, ten companies that are competing for the contracts to to handle the weather modification for Saudi Arabia, for England, for America, for Canada. There there's a whole market there. So it's it's very much a thing. Um I don't know what to make of it. Can't do much about it, but it, it you know, it's well, it's it, there. with your and I agree that it, it, we could go on and on down that rabbit hole and there's some very interesting things to find and in the end I hope it all comes out as to what's really going on. But um when you were mentioning about the idea of don't get stuck in that loop of, of just the negativity and the things you can't control. I also have a policy with it where I say, okay, there's a fine line, right? There's complete ignorance and running away from it because it's scary. And then there's overdoing it, becoming obsessed with it and having that turn in your turn into your own, your entire mental existence right. to where you're only seeing the negative. And I've personally had friends of mine that have literally gone insane yeah. doing this, I've you know, and, that doesn't mean what they researched was not true. It just means that it was an imbalanced system and human beings need to be in a balanced system. We can't have, we can't be too pie in the sky. Everything's happy, honky dory. There's nothing to worry about because then ignorance is definitely not bliss. Okay. Um, and we also can't be living in, you know, hide under the bed, lock it all down, fear, paranoia. There's a, there's a, a, a demon popping out from every corner. So you need to find the balance where you're aware of what's going on, but it's also about the mindset that you approach those challenges. And that for me was what I learned studying the warrior traditions and the martial arts was I learned about the mindset that you need to survive an assault or a battle scenario or whatever. It's just the mindset that you'll only find in the warrior tradition. All the other spiritual traditions were written by a bunch of fat monks writing, you know, sitting there writing all day and you know, priest classes and people that didn't experience war to that degree. So I would say, well, if you're dealing with a challenge, you don't want to go to the clergy. You want to go to the warrior classes that are actually going to give you the mindset you need in order to survive. These are the people that are going to tell you to stand up straight, grow stronger, stop bitching and complaining, realize you're on a planet that is unpredictable and chaotic, and prepare yourself for it. That was the message from there. So what I've done with my work is I've done a lot of work on personal development, self-esteem, self-awareness, 
developing the fortitude, the strength, the the inner strength that you need just to in, just to survive a normal situation in the world where you're just interacting with people at work or with your business or with your family, friends, um, just getting by day to day. Because I look at the level of depression, anxiety disorders, suicide rates, etc., especially from young children, teenagers, adults, everybody. And I'm like, okay, there's something missing here, and there's something spoiling the pot. We could get into the petrochemicals, the agriculture, the food production, the air quality, the pharmaceuticals, the injections, the, all these things. We could get into all that stuff, but the one thing that is also really important that you do have control over is about how to create a healthy, strong, and vibrant mind. That will trump everything, okay? And from there, you have a foundation and good roots in the soil that you can build upon, and then you can address those other bigger issues. What people tend to do is they don't address their own mental health. They see danger and they see all this stuff we're talking about, and they throw themselves at that in their current state. They're not strong enough to lift that sword yet, yet they're grabbing it and trying to swing it and go be on the front lines of the battle, and it's just ruining them, and it's actually causing more harm to the fight than possible of trying to bring truth to these situations. So what I try to do is say, no, let's slow down, like you said, there are things you can change and there are things you can't change. And the best piece of advice you can get is that you have the power over your own mind, your own body, and that's pretty much where it ends. You can influence people in the world. You can do, there are people who could be game changers in, in the work that they do. But those game changers spent a lot of time behind the scenes where nobody saw it, preparing their mind, preparing their body, preparing uh, constantly for being able to bring anything forward into the public. So I always ask people, people that are podcasters, researchers, people that are curious, that wanna help wake people up, that wanna help inspire people and wanna create good change in the world. It's the old thing you heard from Jordan Peterson traveling around the world banging that drum of saying, well, before you go out and try to fix the world, why don't you start with- Clean this? your can room. You make your, can you clean your room? If you can clean your room, maybe you it's can- one of my favorite things. You know what I mean? And and that's that's a very unique principle that it, Jordan Peterson didn't invent it. He just was the spokesperson for it. It's an age-old Adam that you've got to take care of your own house first and put it in order before you go out and try to fix the world. Because if you don't, you're going to be a part of the problem. And I've seen that too many times. And I think that's where that mental decay starts to come in. So if you have a strong sense of who you are, why you're here, what your purpose is, you trust yourself. That doesn't mean you know you think you're perfect, you're in some kind of egoic state of, oh, I'm the best. It's, it's just a reality check where you go, I might not always have the solution. I might not know what I'm going to do. And I don't know what's going to happen with coronavirus in the next two weeks. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. But I know I can, I can address challenge. I can go through the fire. I'm resourceful. I know how to talk to people. I know what my skills are. I also know what my weaknesses are. And that awareness, I feel, gives me an advantage. Whereas people who aren't self-aware to that degree, mm -hmm. they are going to be they're the ones that are like, Dave, tell me what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't believe it. I don't know what's up. And they're panicking and they're losing their shit. And I'm like, I'm not losing my shit. It's not because I think I know what's going on. It's because I am I know and I trust myself. And that's different. And that, that's something that, as you were saying, you grew up on a farm. Think about this, okay? What was it? Back in the 40s, 30s and 40s and before, 80 to 90% of people lived in rural com communities and knew how to farm, knew how to garden, knew how to hunt, how to trap, how to shoot a gun, how to fire. Like they, they knew how to live off the land and could be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. Now it's switched. 90% of people live in big cities and are compl 
like if, if the average teenager doesn't have at least an 80% phone charge, they're panicked. They're already having PTSD. Yeah, like that's yeah. the world we live in. So things have, if we tell these people now, guys, the internet's going to shut down for two weeks. The power grid's going to go off for two weeks. The economy's going to melt down and you're not going to be able to go to any stores or bars. There's no sporting events. There's no concerts. Lady Gaga's taking a vacation. Enjoy that. People are honestly not mentally equipped to handle it, even though they could. They could be. They, if they had the right inputs and we could help with, you know, deal with that and enlighten them, they could handle it. But because of the culture and the society and the way things were, we're in a very unique time to have this kind of a situation happen. Do you know our, our forefathers were prepared for the Great Depression, the wars that happened? This generation, we can't even handle the fact that our phone has to charge and that we have to wait for that update to install and that we don't have this instant gratification. The drive-throughs are closed, Walmart's closed. We can't handle that shit. So this is so, this yeah, is go going going back to what I was saying about like you know killing my geese you know and eating those things or whatever it you know my, all the vegans are screaming oh at you. yeah no man i think most of the <laughs> vegans unfollowed me a while back Good. you should see everyone every once in a while like whenever i want to clean out my follower base i'll just you know get video of me shooting my ar-15 out at the farm yeah take, getting my nine-year-old shooting my ar-15 with a bipod you know good for you <laughs> yeah people are like you motherfucker unfollowing so i i I keep it pretty pretty thinned out. I think we've got a good solid base now. I haven't had. They'll a... be knocking on your door, Adam. They'll oh. be the ones not. Please protect me. Yeah, it, Sorry, it, absolutely. Um, but no, it's it's to me, what what we work on in our house a lot is is a connection with nature, mm. um, and you know not, uh, not that there's anything wrong with being a tree hugging hippie or whatever, but not so much in that in that case as much as being you know my kids know how to start a fire. You know, right. out in the woods, they know how to build a fire pit and how to build a fire from essentially nothing, um, how to make shelter, how to, you know, we can identify basic roots, berries and plants that we can eat, um, you know, just basic stuff, uh, how to set basic traps, how to work a fishing pole, how to work a rifle, um, you know, and and uh, and also how to sit by a river and meditate and listen to your thoughts, you know. Right. And um, there's just something really deeply connective and healing about about knowing your way around the woods, knowing your way around the mountains, knowing your way around nature, and being able to to find your place in it. You know, I always tell my kids that like, and my girlfriend too, because <laughs> she's not she's direction directionally challenged sometimes. Um, but learn where you are in the world. Like, look at a map, know where you are, understand your directions. Know how you know, we watch this. We watch the stars every night. We're we're oh, avid yeah. avid sky watchers and always have been. And so know know your constellations. Know your astrology. Know your astronomy. Understand the way that things work. Like Da Vinci says, you know, study the art of science and the science of art. Look deep into nature. Know that all things are connected, or know that everything connects to everything else. And you know, you talk about uh, depression and anxiety and suicide rates, and anytime someone brings that up to me, the first thing that I just, you know, I can't escape from the thought of, of the disconnection from nature. Mm. Um, because there was, uh, you know, most of your aboriginal and, and native tribes and stuff like that, you know, if you talk to them about suicide, they think you're fucking joking. That, that it's a joke. It's like hyper hyperbole to, to say like, oh, I'm going to go kill myself. Everybody just start laughing because it's like that's not even a thing that happens. Mm -hmm. um, because once you understand your place in the world, um, you know, geographically, and you start to know thyself mentally, spiritually, and then through 
physical rigorous training whether it's martial arts is a great one yoga is, is great martial arts and yoga together i think jujitsu and yoga are like the two most important physical things that a human being can do um you know well, and even the things you're doing with your family like that that is the same you can learn the same principles from like you said being involved in nature in that way yeah 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 Ab absolutely you know and and uh you know trying to to, to merge it all together but you know understanding how nature has its way of doing things and that's sort of you know our spiritual path in our house the the practices and the and the sort of if you want to call it a religion or the 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 implementation of our spiritual beliefs you know we 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 think about the seasons we talk about the seasons we talk about the solstice and the equinox and how the earth has its natural circadian rhythm that it goes through and how every day we have a circadian rhythm but then we have a circadian rhythm throughout our our year of life too you know and this may be this this whole um isolation what do they call it social distancing is that what they're calling are yeah calling it up, that up there it's a stupid fucking term. all the introverts are celebrating like the world is ours now <laughs> <laughs> all of our training has led to this yeah. uh but you know all, all of this stuff kind of to, to take it back to the to the positive things that we could get out of this is you know people can go out into nature and go enjoy being in nature with their family and and uh and to, and to reconnect and maybe this is the time that we can take to 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 reconnect and to and to get away from all of the social rigmarole and all the craziness and uh and maybe this is going to be like a you know the end of winter if you want to put it into metaphorical terms for us it's the the end of winter uh literally for the earth um uh, well for the northern hemisphere and the uh and the beginning of springtime the renewal of the earth um you know for us as as individuals because coming out of this situation things can't be the same they can't be the same there, there, no. there's no fucking way that can be the same something has no to change back. there's no going back to the way it was before because businesses I, I i i i just i hate to think how many businesses we've been affected um very powerfully um but some people some of my friends and, and our vendors and partners have been um devastated by this um we we work in the healthcare sector so we have we have an it company and we do uh, we design it networks and stuff for hospitals primarily all around the country um we do we do we work on old folks homes we rebuild old, old folks homes and put of course we don't call them that but <laughs> we you know we put cabling and telephone systems and computer systems and tvs and all that stuff in there and you know we've had like half a dozen of these projects around the country that have just gotten canceled we just can't go into these into, into these uh senior care places these skilled nursing facilities post-acute care long-term acute care we can't go into any of them rehab facilities um it's a bad thing um we can't come back from that and, and be the same. Our businesses are going to have to change. And then you look at a lot of the laws. Like for me, you know, I'm sort of an out, outspoken critic of the police, right? That's like the one group of individuals that I just, I, I think systemically and institutionally are just fucked. Like floor to ceiling, that whole system needs to be fucking changed. Um, these guys are, are across the country now. I don't, I don't know if they're doing it in Canada, but, um, or if y'all's cops are as bad as ours, but like, They've released statements now saying like all these different police departments are no longer going to be um, responding to non-life-threatening calls. Like so, if you call and there's not a th life-threatening emergency, like they're no longer getting out of the car, they're no longer. And I'm sitting here, and a lot of people are going, "Fuck, man, could we just do that anyway? Like all the rest of the year, all the rest of right. our lives, just get the fuck out of our lives and stop shooting people over running fucking stop signs, and and just just literally respond when someone's life is at stake." 
and like how many people's lives could be saved because you want to talk about how many people die every year from coronavirus versus how many get shot by police for no fucking reason you know maybe uh and then there are other laws like they're 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 letting people um take alcohol like to go from a restaurant to go to their house if you want yeah, to get a yeah. drink and they'd never let you do that before because there's some restaurants i'm like hey i really like this beer you have and it's the only place i've ever had it can uh -huh. i just buy a bottle like no it's illegal so hey maybe that'd be a positive upswing for this so when i was take out <laughs> take take out jack and coat so when i was <laughs> when i was in school like high school middle school whatever we weren't allowed to wear flip-flops do you do you guys call them flip-flops um yeah. on your feet little flippy floppies flippy floppy things the little thing that goes between your toes we weren't allowed to wear them because they said they were a fire hazard. Oh, because you'll trip when Dress, you're running out of the building. You're running out of the buildings. You'll trip, right? So, I mean, loosely speaking, maybe that fucking makes sense if you're stupid. Um, yeah. But, like, a few days a year, uh, they would, like, have special incentive days. And if we did a fundraiser and raised enough money, they'd be like, all right, you get to, you get a pizza party and a flip-flop day. You get to wear flip-flops. So, even as a kid, I was like, this makes no fucking sense. Either you're endangering the lives of all these children right. four or five days a year. Or it's never a danger, and you're just fucking making up arbitrary rules just because. Totally. That is what I am seeing here, is that there are arbitrary laws that are now being sort of um, curtailed and, and put on the back burner and no longer enforced during this period. And the libertarian in me really would love to see these laws just fucking go away and see this, this kind of, of, of unjudicious uh, enforcement of these things just, just dissipate. I'd like to come back from this thing um, better people. I'd like for people to be more prepared. I'd like for people to, to pay attention to where their food comes from. I'd like for people to, uh, to to pay attention to where their water comes from. I'd like for people to start working out at home. Nothing wrong with the gym. I like the gym too. But, you know, we're, we're talking about getting mats at my house so we can all roll together and do jiu-jitsu together at the house because nice. we can't go to the gym. But I've got friends that live, we train with, that are live nearby. So... Um, and, and getting back to community and people getting back to the community because, you know, you're, you may not love your community. And I know everybody lives in a different situation, right? Maybe you live in an apartment and maybe you live in a high rise. Maybe you live in the suburbs or whatever. But, you know, we've actually had um, uh, some, some family um, and my girlfriend's family. We're trying to get like everybody. This thing has really spurred us to try to get everybody moved because her family kind of lives around in different places. We're trying to get everybody moved to where we are, you know, right. and we're actively doing that. Um, and this, you know, we've had a hard time convincing, you know, her sisters and stuff like, you know, come move up here with us. You know, we, 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 we'll, we'll keep shit together. We, you know, we'll have a family. It'll be a great thing. Um, but this has been like the, the catalyst that's made her sisters go, holy shit, we're on the way. Like we're, we're, we're right. actively working on that. Wow. So there's just a lot of, a lot of positivity that can come from this, but but hopefully everybody's evaluating their shit and going, man, there, there's I really didn't realize how fragile this life of of 21st century convenience had become, because whenever you're 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 two days away from empty shelves on on the Walmart you know, at Walmart or whatever, um, that's not a sustainable thing. You know, we need to we need to be more prepared in a lot of different ways, not paranoid, but we need to be prepared and. Um, I've got a friend uh, talked to you yesterday. He's, uh, I think he's vegan or, or vegetarian, and he was talking about they couldn't find these uh, these fake meat patties anywhere. And oh, I'm okay. like, I said, man, I'm not I'm not knocking you, you know, or whatever, because I, I I go pescatarian about three months at a time, and then I kind of go back and forth, whatever. But 
I was like, my big thing growing up on a farm is like, I, 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 I always want to be able to, to eat, to catch my food, kill my food, eat my food. And like my problem with the whole vegan thing or vegetarian thing, aside from nutrition and other stuff is like, you can't make a fake hamburger patty. Like you can't make that at home. Like that's got to be a factory made thing. There's a lot of machinery and processing that goes into making a fake hamburger patty. You know what I mean? And so yeah. just evaluating stuff like that. I mean, if the shit hits the fan, um, diapers, you know, um, JC, my co-host, he and his wife just had a baby back in December. Guess what? They do natural everything already. So like they're not experiencing the diaper shortage that everybody right. else is because they use cloth diapers and they, they don't have diaper rash on their baby because of that. And so it, but my friend who is not getting the vegan uh, hamburger patties, they have a new baby. They can't find diapers. You know what I mean? Because mm. they're using the. You know what I mean? There's just a, a whole yeah, supply chain. Yeah, like what's going to happen to the nothing burger? Yeah. Is it gone? It came and it went. Um, and uh, you're so right. And actually, as you're talking, it makes me think about this. Uh, it just seems to be with human beings. I know for myself too. I'm I'm in this. I'm I'm human. Where we need tragedy to be able to create greatness in the world and to be able to bring about positive change. Unfortunately, it's just like we need our back up against the wall before we actually act properly. Like in martial arts, I'm always, we're teaching these techniques and everything and we're playing around, we're rolling around, we're practicing self-defense, we're doing stick fighting, we're punching and kicking each other and all of this. And then I tell people, I'm like, hey, so just always keep in the back of your mind that this is a friendly, safe, happy environment where you're worth you're training with your brothers and sisters who are taking care of you okay you're working hard but the person on the street that's going to jump you and try to kill you for twenty dollars is not going to be coming at you with a big smile on their face you're not going to fist bump before you start fighting it's going to be mm. on immediately and it's going to be over in under 10 seconds so just you know prepare where you tr you create martial arts as a lifestyle and you we want it to be friendly we want to have a community thing we want it to be an expression and an art form but never forget that this is also there for you to be prepared for reality situations and guess what i've had some of those life and death situations happen to me and every time they would have happened i upgraded as a result so even though it was scary and i don't want i don't, I don't wish it on my enemy um uh, it's, it's weird how it had a positive effect on me in the end Another story is that we recently in our community here, we had a horrible tragedy happened where uh, three young boys unfortunately got swept into the river during one of the times of year where the, where the water is pushing through really, really hard. And it was a record level year. And um, they, they, their car, their truck, they were all together. They were all like, you know, 19, 20. One of them was one of my, my students. And uh, they got swept into this current, and unfortunately, they all drowned. It was a horrible tragedy, very close community, small community, so everybody knows everybody, right? And I'm sitting there just feeling horrible about this, and I was getting ready to go to the memorial service. And I go to the service, and I just see how many freaking people show up to this thing. And I look, and I uh, on Facebook, they started a group, and... Uh, everybody joined it and then people from all over the place were even that didn't know the boys started coming in on it and just support and sending gifts to the families and uh, you know talking about what we could do to maybe put up a fence after 9 p.m. at that one park because that was the problem is that at, at night is when it's the worst this is the season when that's the worst and these kids go there and they try to do wheelies and they try to do hydroplaning stuff and you know so if you put a fence you know it will stop this and you, you sit there and you're thinking of just how horrible this tragedy was. But then I'm sitting there and 
I watch how the community came together and people put aside their little squabbles and their little differences to come together to support the family and the community because everybody felt this, right? And I sat there and I went, as sad as it is, unfortunately, it takes these kinds of tragedies in these moments in order to activate another gear in us mm -hmm. that is always there. And it makes me wonder, can we access that gear without the tragedy and calamity for once? That would be nice. Maybe that's what Dude, humanity needs to learn. Preach. You know? I, I love I love that language too. It's it's crazy that you're using that. You said activating another gear because that's that's lip that's I've used those same words talking about this same type of thing. You know, right. um, is can we activate that gear without tragedy? I lost my granddad a couple years ago, and we weren't close. He lived three states away in Georgia, and, and uh, but I loved him. We you know, spent some time with him in my life, but it wasn't until he passed away and we went to his memorial that I, 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 I was able to reflect on all of the ways that his legacy carried on into my life and into to, to the lives of my boys. He was a, he was a baseball coach and an avid baseball player his whole life. I, I became a baseball player my whole life. My kids play baseball because you know what I mean? That whole legacy carried through his sense of humor, all this stuff. And I, I really reflected on that. I was like, you know, th there was this whole gear of recognition that engaged in me in that tragedy. And I thought, man, is there a way to engage that gear and become cognizant of the things that we might otherwise overlook that, that are blessings or opportunities to express gratitude or, you know, to experience right. gratitude. And I think that you're freaking dead on, man, is let this be that universal, you know, signaling flare that goes up and lights up everything for all of us to see. You know, let, let this be the bonfire that we all gather around and light our torches and run off into the woods together to go start our own fires. And um, there's so much here. And I'm thankful. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that about your student and those boys. It's a terrible oh, tragedy. Thanks, but but yeah, you're right. It, it it It's amazing how these tragedies do bring people together. And maybe, um, you know. I'm sorry to hear that there's 90 plus people in, in America who've lost their lives over this. I'm sorry that there there may be 100 people. There may be, hell, there may end up being 200 people out of the 330 million that we have. And I'm sorry for the loss of every single life. Yeah. Um, but out of this, if we could, if this could heal some of the division that we've right. experienced here in the last three, four years, um, which has been the most tumultuous, insane um uh, volatile division that I've ever experienced in my life socially mm. and it's not in my circle of friends because we don't do that but we, we see it and it's 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 painful to watch um, people this, this could be this could be a tragedy well spent you yes. know but it's 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 all about what we make of it and you know are we gonna lean into this thing and decide that we're gonna come out of this a better person are we gonna be more mindful are we gonna be more caring of others and more thoughtful of others I mean one of the things we can do is reach out to people that we love you know, yeah. something that I don't do enough and I've done a lot more. I've had friends reach out to me from different areas of the country and say, hey, dude, how's it going down there? And, um, you know, let's be better friends. Let's be better people. Let's think about totally. our friends more. Let's think about the el elderly couple in the neighborhood that uh, that might need help carrying out their trash. And at this point in, in life, uh, at this moment, they, they might need somebody to go to the grocery store for them, you know? Right, right. And uh, I think just being, we, we can look at this and, and come out of this being afraid we can approach this uh with fear or we can um you know we can be aware of our, of our own things that we have to be grateful for and, and come out of this being better humans i think that's the way that i'd like to see this happen for all of us yeah well said and i agree and we can always look back at history for a bazillion examples of this happening where some of the biggest tragedies 
if you look at it from the big picture, if you were like an alien scientist just sort of watching this experiment on this planet happen, you would see these major catastrophic events and then you would see massive change from them. Now, some of those changes are not what we wanted. Some of them were manipulated. Some of them were taken advantage of. But those weren't the only changes that happened. There's always the good side as well, that it helped awaken the right person that went and invented some new technology or some new cure or some new way of thinking or bringing a new philosophy and helping inspire people. There's always that silver lining. And that's all I want people to remember is that amongst all these tragedies and all these negative things and all these scary things, simultaneous to that, because I'm not negating that that happens, but simultaneous to that are is the work of spirit, is the work of God, is the work of whatever you want to call it, is the work of nature, or even uh, the, the spirit within you is stirred in a different way, and things are changing inside of you as they're changing in this on this planet and amongst the rest of the human population. And so we're in a position right now where maybe this is a time where humanity will wake up a little bit more. Doesn't It's never going to be full, trust me. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. But it'll wake us up a little bit more so that some more positive directions can be taken and we can move this dial a little bit more in a direction that's going to be positive for us and for this planet. And that's what I'm hoping for is not that we roll around in the mud and start trampling over each other for the next VCR or whatever, you know, but that we learn a little bit of humility. We have a bit of grace. We have a bit of strength. We learn some gratitude and um, learn how to come together despite it all. And a good feel, uh, experience I had last night was, I'll be honest, I was, I was going through everything, catching up on all the news and, and trying to get everything just organized in my head. And I started feeling a bit down. I started feeling pretty like, oh my God, this is like, this is really freaking happening. And I just walked outside on my deck and I looked up and the stars were as bright as I've seen. And I had just recently moved to this place and there's far less light pollution. So the stars are just IMAX theater you level. love that? Oh my God. And I grew up in Saskatchewan. So I, that was the big, the land of the skies. I remember seeing the stars uh, they were incredible there. And so anyways, I'm out on the deck. I see the stars. I smell the air. I can hear the water. And it was just this moment of pure peace and silence. And in my mind, my mind is thinking about all oh, the world, the economy, the travel, what's the government going to announce tomorrow? What are they going to do? People are. And then I walk outside and I just look at nature and nature just sits there being what it is. And I believe that nature is a reflection of that great spirit, that Tao, and that you can go and commune with it any time, especially in tragedy, in tragic moments. And I felt so renewed in under 30 seconds that I, I think it was because I was up late. I was up to like 2.30 in the morning, couldn't really sleep. It was just my mind was too excited. And I go inside and I lie down in bed and I slept like a baby. And it was just another lesson for me to even practice what I preach, you know, and that um, we can get, cause I'm, I, I do this, I podcast, I, 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 I talk about this stuff. So I try to keep myself informed, but I put more weight on my shoulders when I do that. And if I don't offset that with a moment of silence and a way of rejuvenating myself, then I'll go down the path of some of those friends I was telling you about that just crashed and burned psychologically. And so I constantly tend that garden. And, and, and this was just another wake up call that it was like, Oh, it had, it had been a bit since I had really just gone and took it all in and took a moment of silence. And I needed it. And now I'm like, okay, I'm planning it. Every day I have to have a certain amount of time where I'm there's nobody around or I'm with my kids and we're just throwing rocks into the ocean or we're just we're in the, the forest. And that's what matters. And right now that's what it is. What matters most right now? Does it matter most? 
that the NBA canceled their season? Does it matter most that you got some air travel restrictions? Or does it matter most your family, your community, your where you're at in your life? You're in a life right now, don't you know? Don't you know we're in a life right now? You, you, In some part of you chose to be here. And I honestly don't think there was a better time you could have come and incarnated in this life. If you look back at history, it's a slaughter fest. It's chaos. There's every age, every time has its challenge. Our challenge right now is to pretty much just sit indoors and hang out with our family. It's not that bad. <laughs> I love it, man. Beautifully said, David. Beautifully said, man. I uh, I think that's probably the the, the perfect point to uh, to wrap this thing up on. Uh, yeah, it sounds it's just a great a great a great statement from you. It's been a great conversation, and this is um this is a time when everybody's got everybody's got their 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 preferred news outlet streaming at them, and uh, everybody's got a different podcaster talking to them. Everybody's got a different talking head going on, and I think that this conversation I hope will serve to be. Uh, a nice, balanced, and interesting, and entertaining, um, informative uh, conversation that people can go to and come away feeling uplifted, feeling like you got a good, you know, a good perspective on everything. You know, it's, well, it uh, did that for me, Adam, and I, I really enjoyed it. I love talking to you, and I hope this is just the first of many. Next time, we're not going to talk about the coronavirus. We're going to talk about some really cool shit. We're going to get into like ancient <laughs> mysteries, ancient civilizations. We could talk about aliens. We could talk about uh, philosophy. We could talk about martial arts. We could talk about all kinds of stuff. So I hope we get to do this again and, and have a really fun and educational conversation about some of the topics that I know you and I are both passionate about. Yeah, we'll do it for sure. Yeah, I, I know we, we both intended – just for the audience to know, we had a whole different show in mind. <laughs> this, this was off the cuff, man. This was totally off the cuff. We had this whole conversation about like what we were going to talk about. It was just this awesome, fun thing. And then like last night, I hit you up at like eleven o'clock. I'm like, hey, dude. So we got this whole fucking global pandemic going on. Do you want to just like glaze over that, or should we dive into it a little bit? So I'm we, glad we did. I it think was it's the right important. move. Yeah, we ha yeah. we had to do it. We had to do yeah. it. Um. Uh, all it means now is that we uh, we get to reconnect soon. I don't see any reason not to. Yeah, give give give, give give the people something something beautiful and and informative. Um, we got a really interesting just to give a little teaser of what we were going to talk about um, the uh, the Irish origins of civilization, the uh, potentially the red haired giants that built the pyramids, right? Mm. Oh shit. That'll blow some yeah, minds. Yeah, it's gonna that's gonna collect some unfollows for me right there. <laughs> but you don't like red-haired people? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna leave that right there. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we were gonna get into lots of good stuff, and we will. And there yeah. are many subjects that we could we could go into. And you know what, people, right now they don't got nothing else better to do. Why yeah. don't we educate ourselves and have some fascinating conversations about information that we don't really get from the news or from the education system? Think outside the box. I think that was a good time for it. And um, I know I'm going to be catching up on a lot of books that I've been procrastinating and a lot of stuff I've been wanting to watch. And uh, I just I just want to leave people with a message of hope and, you know, just never lose faith, never lose hope, never lose your passion for life. Uh, don't let these tragedies get you down. Let it make you stronger. Allow this process to unfold. Stay close to those that you love, that you trust. Uh, stick with your wolf pack and take this opportunity to think differently about things. It doesn't mean you have to be recruited into some new cult or whatever. It just means think 
just this is a time to think differently and act differently and, and test things out and discover parts about yourself that you didn't even know were there. You know, that's all I'm going to be doing. And I'm sure you're going to be doing the same, Adam. And what we can do is uh, come back and we can maybe do a little recap and then get into some really cool stuff. We can even take some questions from people or, uh, you know, bring up some slides. I got some cool slides we could talk about and show people what we're talking about. So uh, definitely look forward to it. I do want to point people in the direction of, of the work that I do as well. Yeah, give um, all your shout outs. Tell us, yeah, tell everybody where to find you. Let's do some shameless plugs. Um, the, <laughs> the number one project I'm working on right now is the Unslaved podcast. Um, it's more than just a podcast. We do you know videos, we do presentations, we do um, educational seminars and workshops. We're building it into eventually an online school, uh, an online mystery school. And I'm working with one of the greats and we have amazing guests on every single week. And uh, so that you can get at unslave.com. It is paid content. Um, it's uh, between six and 12 bucks a month. You can come and go as you please. There's no contracts. It's freely given in that way. And that's what helps us power our operation and keep us going. And then, of course, I have my free work where I do it on The Truth Warrior. You can find that. You can find on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. And uh, I've got some really, really interesting stuff there and also on the way. I've got some interesting projects lined up. And also don't forget to check out, if you do have any TV access or whatever, and there are some shows you want to check out, I've been working on a, a new series called The Unexplained. It's with William Shatner, uh, who's also Canadian. And um, he, it's, been, it's been a fun show. It's, been, it's one of those things where we get into you know mysteries and weird paranormal phenomena, and it's just a fun show we've been working on. So you can check that out on the History Channel. I think it's also on Amazon Prime. I'm and, so uh, bummed we didn't yeah. get into that. Yeah, well, hey, go watch the show. Watch a couple episodes. It's called The Unexplained. And, it's called The Unexplained. It's got the un and then x, like x-files. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you loud and clear. So it's called okay, The Unexplained. Good, good, good. It's you and William Shatner. And a bunch of other people. He's the host. He's uh, And you can check it out on either History Channel or Amazon Prime. They got, uh, they got the seasons there as well. That's super dope, man. I love that. I want to hear more about it. Everybody's going to want to hear more about that. Um, and you and I will have to set up something offline right after this. Uh, after we quit recording, we're going to work out a, uh, a very a very soon recap uh, and, and, and sequel to all this because we have too much cool Sounds shit good. to talk about for sure. Um, okay, what else do you want to plug? Is, is it, it's only like 10,000 things. That's my plugs. That's all I got. I, uh, as I said, I can't even wrap up my elevator pitch in under 30 seconds. So I just just go find me there. And uh, if you like my stuff, uh, hit me up. You can message me. And other than that, stay tuned here and support Adam's work. Keep these podcasts going. Keep alternative media alive. And, um, you know, let's rock it out. We'll do some more in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Appreciate it so much. And, uh, you know, everybody go check out David's stuff. I've been I've been a fan of, of David's and a follower of his for a couple of years now. And um, he's been an inspiration for me with this podcast and getting our things in order. You know, this has been a constant evolution here on Wayfinder. If you've been following for a long time, you know that. Um, but uh, JC, JC couldn't make it today. He sends his best. Um, and make sure you go follow us. Uh, you can go to wayfinderpodcast.com. It's like the easiest way to find us. And all the platforms are linked on there. So YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, all that stuff, wayfinderpodcast.com. And for David's podcast and for our podcast, one of the biggest things you guys can do to help us out, um, besides throwing lots of money at us, which you can also do on our Patreon, also accessible through, you guessed it, wayfinderpodcast.com, um, but is review and comment 
and and do all that stuff. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, yeah, please share this. Get this out. That's the, that'll help more than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Share this stuff with your friends um, and, and leave reviews, leave comments, uh, and particularly with uh, – and I just – I'm told this. I don't know this, you know, because I'm not an expert on this stuff. But I'm told that when people leave reviews on, like, uh, the iTunes, Spot, Spotify, and all that stuff, the Google Play, they leave uh, reviews and comments and all that stuff. It really does a lot to to get you up in the rankings, so that more people can can get access to your stuff, and you get promoted and get put into the algorithm. So, if if this podcast or any of David's, uh, you know, inspire you or uplift or enlighten or inform you or, or or meaningful to you in any way, you know, please try to support. You don't have to give money, but if you just share, uh, you know, and 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 leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or a like, all that stuff helps. But particularly taking the time to leave a review makes a world of difference so go do that um for the truth warrior go do that for unslaved and and do that certainly for wayfinder podcast and we appreciate it so so much um we've got some other stuff we can cover later but be on the lookout for our next podcast with david is going to be coming in the not too distant future and we've got like three more that we're uh, we're editing they're getting ready to drop right now so um guys be safe out there be thankful for what you got Use your common sense. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No need to be afraid. You know, overcome fear with gratitude. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. So that's all I got for you guys. May the light be upon you. May peace be within you. May you be a sun on the paths of all men. Appreciate you guys. God bless. Take care. <laughs>